0: I, I swear to God, we're just going to melt by the time this yeah, is over. Okay. This good, your whole side is going to be sunburned, and this and one's going to be like pale. Yeah, yeah, and the back of my neck—I'll look like a redneck. I'm going to yeah. stare at his
1: surfboard and think, "I wish I was in the ocean right now."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sure he wishes he was too, but I don't think there's waves this week.
1: No, literally, we were on the beach yesterday and yeah. nothing it was flat. Yeah, for hours, and I'm yeah. like, "All right, the tides have to be changing soon," and I'm like. Even with the tides changing, there's nothing going on out there.
0: Nah, no.
1: That was cool listening to Russ's. I didn't realize how much he got into surfing.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah, big time. Yeah, Russ was Russ is really into it. He's basically 50-50 on that's bike awesome. and surfing turf, as they say.
1: That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there's just a good interview because I remember Russ back when I raced when I was little. Yeah. And, like, I knew him from Shoreham and going out to races at Shoreham. And Kenny, I really never knew until afterwards like until funny enough like I didn't even know he had an accident originally because when the Gatorade program was around that when I was part of it Kenny was also on it as well but he was on for more of an he was an ambassador to the industry because I knew he worked for volume and demolition Uh but I never knew him as a writer and then funny enough when Scotty had his accident that's when I really learned about Kenny's
2: I knew something was
1: up I'm like I know this dude's always out and about he's connected to so many different people did he ever ride? Yeah. And then later on, I, I learned about his story and his was wild.
0: It, yeah, and uh, the story for him on the riding side, I think was only like, he was only like five or six years into it. Yeah. If that.
1: And he was killing it.
0: Yeah. I couldn't believe the pictures he sent me
1: afterward. I didn't... Yeah, I looked at him when he put up know. that slideshow. Yeah, They was were like, cool. oh my gosh, this yeah. guy was ripping it. He's, he's such a good dude. Ru- him and Russ, it's yeah. so cool to see that two dudes, if you look at them, you would think they're like, from totally different planets are the best of friends and just yeah. always got each other's backs. It's uh, so cool.
0: Yeah, that whole friendship connection was really, really cool to have as part of it. Uh, Russ said he was going to be there and I said, Russ, i I've really thought about doing you guys at the same time because mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. Yeah. It's it a cool out. story. Yeah. Yeah. Just from what I, the little I knew and then it turned out to be even, even more than I thought. Yeah. So It was good. But anyway, welcome to BMX in our blood. Thanks Joe.
1: Appreciate it. We've I'm talked here- about this for a while <laughs> <laughs> now and now it's finally happening.
0: That's right. So Vinnie Menino, I, I stole him from the, uh, from the, the arduous work of, uh, the Scotty Kramer channel <laughs> just for a short time. But, uh, Anyway, I, I was going to say that uh, geez, I probably met you at the jam. Skyrimer yeah. Jam Jam's probably the first time we actually met.
1: I know we talked a little bit before the jam because you had come out with the flyer. And my yeah. name was spelled wrong. So uh, I, I texted you and sent you a message. like, hey man, I just want to introduce myself, but you spelled my name wrong on the flyer. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of our, how our conversation started uh, ever, and okay. ever since. yeah, I think we've become friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so once I met you there at the jam... And you barely beat us in the sidehack race.
1: It was a close call. I've actually never been on a sidehack before, but I wanted that number one plate.
0: <laughs> so did I. But then I decided it was pretty damn cool that you and Maddie got first and the Hallahan boys got second. Yeah.
1: So it was that, a good podium. Was awesome.
0: It was. It was awesome. It was a, That was such a fun jam. So then uh, that's when I started to get to know you even better. And then we did the Ridewood Scotty Jam, which mm-hmm. you were at, at Wilmantic Skate Park. Yes, so, we
1: did. And that was a very eventful day. Yeah. And yeah, there was a
0: little bit of everything. I
1: think I broke a bike.
0: <laughs> yes. Or you did. Something like that. That's a successful jam if you can trash a bike because you're going so <laughs> hard, you know. So anyway, but ever since I met you, I I could kind of tell that you weren't as crazy as you are on a bike. I could tell that you had different goals in life besides just BMX. You were more uh, forward thinking. And that's, we don't see a lot of that, not to slight anybody in BMX, but we don't see a lot of that in BMX. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah,
1: no, I absolutely agree. And it's, it's definitely from my upbringing. I think having a good support system for my friends, my family, my girlfriend, and everybody around me, I kind of look at the big picture and being connected to one of the best dudes to ever do it in our sport, being one of my best friends, which was Scotty, Mm -hmm. I got to see the extreme of what is possible on a bike, Right. the different endorsements that can happen, fame and everything that can can come along with riding a bicycle that I always looked at it from the aspect of well I know there's far and few in between that can actually take it to that step but I gave it my all I, I tried to make it happen Right. but one of the things that my parents had always backed me with and like we're going to support you with whatever you decide you want to do in life and it got to a point where I knew I was never as crazy as Scotty was on a bike And I knew that it was the thing I loved so much, but it allowed me the opportunity that my parents were behind me, no matter what I wanted to do, that they let me go for it and they let me chase my dream. But the one thing that my parents did tell me was out of high school, this is all before you lost health. Like if you didn't go to college or get a job, you lost your health insurance.
0: They didn't extend it till 25. No, no,
1: no, no. This is all before like the Obamacare stuff kind of went into play. Right. That with my track record I got hurt a lot it was like every year or two I had a pretty serious injury and knowing my track record I'm like okay I'm not ready to go work full-time I guess I'll go to school so I chose to go to community college and just did the basic Mm -hmm. the basic courses that I guess pretty much every major needed Mm -hmm. to fulfill and then I graduated community college and I'm like all right well now what and I chose I basically sat there and talked to myself and was like if you step away from it now, you basically just wasted the last two years of your life. Sure. And at the time I was still riding full time. I was traveling to contests, doing shows and working at skate park. And I had a couple sponsors that were kind of, they were talking to me about potentially coming to work for them. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it. I'm like, I enjoy the marketing side. I enjoy business. I just don't know if I want to go work in BMX just because I never wanted bad blood to the sport. I love so much Mm. that way. When I transitioned to going to university, I learned, okay, like, I think I want to stay in business, but I don't know exactly what avenue I want to go to. So out of college, I made a deal with my parents. I said, look, I have my degree. This is going to give me an opportunity to go do something later in life. I just don't know what it's going to be, but it allows me the opportunity to go do something. So so we're going to skate park for a little bit and then had the opportunity to go try a couple different things and kind of feel out what are the things in the business world that I may enjoy or I may not. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of tries kinda of sucked. I, I I gave it a whirl, I, I was young and hungry and I wanted to to make my name in a business that I had people behind me backing. And they just weren't for me. I got into stuff that people were promising me the world and telling me, oh, you're you're the best and because you're good at something else this is gonna be the best thing for you.
2: Right.
1: And I learned that I had no passion behind it. Mm-hmm. I had no thrill, no excitement going into work every day. And I'm like, the typical person going to work that's like yeah is it the weekend yet yeah and in reality like I was fortunate to get paid riding my bike a little bit that I knew that there's something out there that'll give me the same thrill and satisfaction that riding gives me and about three years ago I had the opportunity to get into what I what I work in now which is finance and to be honest it's the best thing in the world for me because it allows me the freedom and flexibility to make my own schedule and do my own thing on a career side Mm -hmm. but still allow me all the access and availability that if I want to go ride my bike if I want to go travel to a new country I've never been to before I have the best of both worlds and I'm making a living alongside of it so now I have my main passion now and riding is now just strictly fun and and I can do it on my terms and not be told hey like you can't do this anymore you have to go to this contest so it's pretty cool
0: and you're insured I am (laughs) that I am insurance which is a big deal Let's, uh, let's rewind for a minute and sure. just give me like the, uh, the basics of... Actually, I'll shout out to a couple people because this is uh, the question that a lot of us ask. Bruce uh, Lucier, I believe, and Raymar Ortiz, they both said, what inspired you to pick up a BMX bike and why? That's, that's a typical question for us to ask, you know, in when, where... Because of a friend, you know, it's it was racing for you, right?
1: Yeah, so it started out with racing, and funny enough, one of my neighbors, actually, he was my sister's age, so he's three years older than me, but he was, like, the cool kid in the neighborhood. He yeah. was, like, I don't want to call him the bad kid in the neighborhood, but, like, yeah. he, he was finding himself into trouble, but always was doing some cool stuff. Like, he was that older kid that I looked up to at the time, and he asked me to go to his birthday party, and I was stoked. Yeah. Little did I know that... He was he had his birthday party at the at the bike track behind Scotty's bike shop. No way. Yeah, and what's crazy is Scotty actually instructed that party when he was I was eight at the time, so Scotty was eleven. No. So way. the first time I got to experience a track, I fell in love with it. My dad used to build me ramps when I was a little kid, yeah. and just out of like particle board, and just mm-hmm. I'll never forget my mom telling me that when I was like two and a half. I was riding one of the ramps my dad built and I broke my training wheels. For 3 consecutive days so they bought new training wheels and bought new training wheels and then maybe they just installed them wrong, but I ended up breaking 3 pairs. And my mom swears this story and she's like if you want to ride your bike you need to learn how to ride a two-wheeler. Right. And she pushed me off I think twice and from that point I I learned how to ride a two-wheeler. Uh-huh. And from that point forward I just loved that was my thing to do. I loved just pedaling, going outside, and trying to jump off curbs, and I'm I'm little at this point, so I probably wasn't jumping off at anything. Right. That the opportunity came up to go to my friend's birthday party, and it was at the BMX track, mm-hmm. and instantly fell in love with it. And from that point forward, I think that was in March. Uh-huh. My birthday was in April, and I got my first race bike. At wow. that point, so like from that point on, we were we were game on.
0: Jeez, and that. So, Scotty was already racing at the time.
1: Yeah. I believe he started in 1995. I started in the beginning of 1998. So, he had been doing it for a little while. Yeah. But he was like... You could tell there was something about him at that age that he was jumping. He was jumping a lot higher than the other kids. He was going a lot faster. But he also looked pretty cool. Like, he rode for this company called Roadkill, which is an old bike brand. I remember
0: Roadkill. It was Jason Weatherhold. Yep.
1: So. Rest in peace. Nice guy. Jason was a great dude. Yeah. But what was crazy is Scotty at the time the roadkill uniform at that point they had two different ones they had a a white and black one
0: yeah
1: and a white and, uh, white black and yellow one.
0: Oh, okay and he was
1: wearing the black and white one yeah. and at the time this is when open face helmets were still popular yeah yeah and he had a Jofa yeah right it was a razorback helmet with a Jofa and I was like that is the coolest looking setup I've ever seen in my <laughs> life so instantly I was just attracted I'm like that dude looks cool yeah now I'm watching him go fast I'm watching him just Ride the way I want to ride. Sure. That he was kind of like the dude I looked up to straight away, mm-hmm. and it was just from that point forward something that I was just going to hang out with friends at a birthday mm-hmm. party. Instantly, I fell in love with, and yeah. that was 1998 or so.
0: Yeah, and oh, that's y- crazy. So, so he was still he was still hot on racing. You guys were both hot on racing until.
1: Yeah. When? So, at the time, Big Scott. Was running the track So he was the track director at the time My dad kind of just helped and volunteered And wanted just to be a part of it And if I was going to be out there He wanted to put his time and effort in mm-hmm. To make sure he was kind of making sure The track was running sure. as much as he could do I think he was a corner marshal at the time Just mm-hmm. helping where he could Yeah. And f- what happened was Him and my dad and Big Scott Had become pretty good friends over, over that time mm-hmm. period uh-huh. That Scotty and I feel like I, I think I was just so timid And afraid to even say hello Yeah. And every so often on a Friday night practice, like, Scotty would come up to me and just say, hey, what's up, buddy? And, like, at the time, him and I, like, really didn't know each other.
0: And this was 8 and 11. 8 and and 11, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I'll never forget, we went to, my first national was Christmas Classic of 98. Oh, my God. And if you talk to any of the older dudes that...
0: It was my last year so my last Christmas classic that was <laughs>
1: the coolest race I think I've ever been to oh it was awesome because they had the DK Dirt Circuit at the time yeah and what's funny I listen to all different podcasts whether it's yours or, mm-hmm. or some other ones and you'll hear all the old pros talk about the 98 Christmas Classic Dirt Circuit Contest whether uh-huh. it's Foster uh, Ryan Biz Jordan he was big in that one camp still? no I don't R&C think I see out of jumping I don't think he was I don't think he was at that one yeah um, no. Doyle. Doyle was there yeah. at that one. That's when they used to ride contests with jerseys on. And I thought it was yeah. the coolest thing in the world. And that's really where I feel that Scotty and I became friends. Because you were worth... The way the Christmas Classic worked, I don't even know if they still do it now, but they did a parade the night before. Oh, of yeah. State by state by state. Yeah, yeah. And I think because I was so little, I was always at the front. Yeah. And Scotty was like right behind me and... and kind of guiding me where to go and at the time my whole family went this is like my mom really never came to races just because she worked on the weekends Yeah. and this was the time it was myself my dad my sister and my mom all packed the van and we went mm-hmm. and my parents were hanging out with Scotty's parents so Scotty's mom was there Kelsey was a baby at the time uh-huh. but funny enough Maddie was just born Oh, my gosh. So Maddie is getting rolled around in a stroller around the convention center. Yeah, yeah. I think this was the year that the there was a table that got thrown over the balcony. I don't know who it was, but I remember hearing stories, and I'm like, yep, that was like two floors away from where we were staying. And oh my, my parents gosh. were like, all right, keep them away, like yeah, yeah. whatever we had to do. but It was a free-for-all. <laughs> was, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah it was. But from that point forward— Scotty, Scotty and I kind of he he became my role model, and uh-huh. he was the dude that like I saw he was good, he was fast, but he was he was nice to me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's kind of I think where our friendship started. But our our dads, as time went on, they're working on the track together. Their Scotty's dad's running the track, my dad's running the corner. They became super tight, and I never realized looking at it now how mm-hmm. tight they actually became. They became really good friends, right? And even a weirder coincidence is our moms are talking at Christmas Classic. Yeah. Obviously, you know Scotty's mom is Donna sure. Kramer. Mm-hmm. My mom's name is Donna as well. Oh my gosh. Her maiden name is Kramer.
0: No, it's way. just spelt
1: differently. Uh, so, like, they're okay. just chit chatting right, along, right. and I'm like, this is the craziest coincidence <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. So,
0: oh my gosh. They both married Donna Kramers. Yeah. Uh, oh, man.
1: So, what's cool is our parents became good friends, so, like, yeah, yeah. we would see each other more often. Right and a little bit probably about halfway through the season of our next race here so like I'm really kind of getting into it my dad's taking me to bigger races at this point Uh huh. him and Scott are still really tight that Scott told my dad I think I'm going to open up a skate park and this is around when incline was getting talked about Right. And my dad's like, what's a skate park? He had brought me to the old Tom's River Park once, and I showed up there on my aluminum Haro Mini with 101 eighth tires, looking around, and I'm like, Dad, this is not the place for me. Right. But he was told, like, hey, like, I bring my kid to the skate park. I, like, all the, all the fast kids went to the skate park as well. Yeah. And Big Scott had told my dad, I think I'm going to I'm gonna open one. Yeah. So around that time, my dad, I like, I'm like, like, Dad, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm just going out for a little bit. Little did I know he was going to help Scott build the first ever Incon Club.
0: No way. Yeah.
1: So oh my then gosh. we got so before before it was the skate park, the building was still divided. There was the gymnastics on the one side in the center was like a concession stand lobby area that yeah. you can there was glass on both sides that you can look into both areas. So if you wanna watch gymnastics you can. If you want to watch ramp riding you can. Right. And it just got to um it got to a point where before the skate park was there, it was a tennis court. Uh huh. I'll never forget the first day I walk in there. It's this big open building, kind of what you saw when we were tearing the skate park down. Oh yeah. It was a big twenty thousand square foot empty building with tennis balls all over the floor. And one of the families from the track who also helped out, they had a go kart, so they had brought the go kart in while we were building the skate park and we're doing laps and trying to do donuts around the tennis balls and it was a cool experience i i was nine at the time so it was right after racing started wow so around that point the skate park opened in the end of january of 2000 um we did at the time my dad would bring me both but mm-hmm. i think he looked at racing as that was more of my passion at the time and was like all right like we'll go to the track if there's chances that I can bring into the skate park after work, I will. Right. It was whatever we were feeling. My sister did dance. Mm-hmm. So bike riding was my thing. Sure. I tried the team sports stuff, it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like I didn't like knowing that if I was going to play baseball because we're sitting in a skate park right next to a baseball field, this is where I played Little League. And I'll never forget, I wanted to play second base. Yeah. Like that was that was why I, I wanted to play baseball. I was like, I want to play second base. And when the coach tells me you're going to right field why am I here? Like, I want to I learn how to play this position, but you're telling me because I'm not good enough, right. you're going to put me in the area of the field where no balls get hit. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me I can only do this on certainty. So if I want to get better, I have to wait for you to be here to teach me right. and hope that you put me in the position that I want to learn how to play. Right. Where with BMX, it was more, I can do things on my own terms. Like oh, control I, your own destiny. If I wanted to get better, if I wanted to get faster or learn how to jump a new jump, yeah. It was really just, it was on my terms.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And around probably, I would say a year or so into the skate park being open, that was when Scotty really started transitioning more to freestyle, because he was doing, at the time, he was doing he was doing shows on his race bike.
0: Yeah, wasn't he only like 14, 15? I don't he even think he was that old. Doing... No,
1: I think he was maybe 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. He used to do box jump shows out in front of, uh, out in front of the bike shop before, before they owned it. And I'll never forget, he was riding probably an expert race bike. With skinny tires. I'm like, dude, that is... And they didn't own the
0: shop yet at no. that point, right? No, no, no. It was,
1: yeah. I think it was probably the end of Bicycle World going into Beacon, which was the owner after Right. That. And then he really started transitioning out at that point. And from that point forward, I felt like, okay, like, if I wanted to hang out with him, I had to go to the skate park. Yeah. So, I mean, it was cool. I, I kept racing at that point, And then I started going to nationals. My dad was running. So, the same year that they were talking about building the skate park is Mm -hmm. when i got my first racing sponsor which was point pleasant bicycles and at the time they were one of like the badass teams that were kind of in new jersey Mm -hmm. and i'm like i had this opportunity i'm like heck yeah like this is what i want to do like i have an opportunity to promote somebody's shop and wear somebody's shirt right and I don't know. It just that was that was my love, mm-hmm. and I just kind of kept going that way. And I remember Big Scott was like, "Hey, like get him in the skate parks, get him into contests." Uh-huh. And my dad's like, no, "No, no, he's having fun racing. Like right. that's what he wants to do." And around that time, Scotty had started to transition more to freestyle full time and and doing that. But I, I kind of did it at my leisure. I, w- I was racing. I think at that point, my dad had taken over the track. He became the track director after Scott, yeah. and. We went full bore. We were we were game on and, and guns blazing and that. And what was cool is my sister actually ran the front desk at the skate park. Oh, okay. So when she started driving, I'd hitch a ride with her to the skate park and sure. and ride while she was working, and then she would bring me home. And it's funny. I those those two places basically were my upbringing, either the track or the skate park. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had if I had to do it all over again, I would have done it the exact same way.
0: It that's pretty unique because a, a lot of. Uh... A lot of us were really like, you know, racing in trails. Mm-hmm. So racing in skate parks would know unless you were riding trails as well. That that's a different combination than most of us. Yeah, you,
1: we had we had to. little dirt jumps in in the back of my neighborhood. There were some older kids that kind of they never. What's funny is like they never got into racing or riding skate parks. They just built little jumps in the back of my neighborhood. So I was I think I was introduced to dirt jumps probably first before the track because we mm-hmm. had the dirt jumps before I went to that birthday party. Sure. Yeah. And if they were a foot off the ground, maybe a three-foot gap, like, to me, that was big. Like, that was cool. Right. And then I had the opportunity to get into racing, and the rest was kind of history.
0: Mm-hmm. So how uh, how far did you take it? Did you, did you stop at amateur, or did you go so, a step further? So okay.
1: I'll give you a quick rundown of how it went down, because I, the last three years, I contemplated quitting three different times, and I made... <laughs> I had made three different deals with myself before I pulled the trigger. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we're at the point now. I would say between... Tw- I remember my first Grands I went to was... I was 12. So 2002, probably to about 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. I was totally content just making a main national. Like if I was able... And my dad was stoked as long as I tried. Yeah. Whether I made the main or not, as long as I didn't like just quit or stop or make a stupid move. Like he was... He was totally cool just taking me out because that was our bond. Like that was the thing we did together. Mm -hmm. That we would go to races and I don't think I ever got a top three in probably my first five or six years of going to nationals. Yeah, But it was just the fun thing that we did together and we made a lot of good friends doing it. And I remember I was probably getting to the point, I was probably six, seven, I think I was just about to graduate high school. So 17 going on 18.
2: Yeah,
1: I got to a point where I was like, why am I going to nationals and, and spend and having my parents spend this money? Yeah. If I'm going there for fourths and fifths. Right. That it got to a point where I was like, Alright, like my parents are so committed. They they've given me every opportunity to do this and they've never really given me crap for not doing so hot. Yeah. I'm gonna tell myself if I don't make and I've never made the main at the grants up at this point, I would always get mot motive- I would either get knocked out. I raced class and open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So just more track time because I'm sure you going to grands years ago. Oh gosh, yeah. You were lucky in a forty five minute session if you got three laps. That's on what, a track that you've never ridden before.
0: That's why everyone raced cruisers. Yeah, it's not exactly. that they liked riding cruisers. Cruisers It was just extra go horrible practice. Horrible to ride, yeah. But So
1: we used to bring my cruiser. We didn't I didn't race nationals on cruiser. Yeah, yeah. But I would bring my cruiser just for practice time. Oh
0: my gosh. That's smart.
1: So I would race class and open and then we would go to cruiser after that just for the extra track time. Yeah. That, Every race I went to, if I if I got out of the motos in class, I would get motoed and open. If I got motoed in class, I would make it to my quarter. Yeah, yeah. In in class. Or however vice versa it sure. worked. But what's funny is I made a deal with myself when I was at the time they were kinda switching the classes around because now I'm getting to that age. I remember when I was little, it was eighteen to twenty. Then it went 17 to 24.
2: Mm.
1: Then to 17, 18, 19 to 25. That the classes were kind of changing. And I found that anytime I was going to Grants, I was at least having eighths or sixteenths. So there was huge moto counts. Right. And this is all before USA BMX. So this is strictly MBL going yes, to lose. these are
0: fuller gates. Yeah. It's not so like... we were
1: running six to eight man gates. Right. Every round outside of motos. Right. So I was averaging thirds and fourths and barely squeaking by. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, that year, I, if I didn't make the main at the Grands uh-huh. in 17 to 18X, which I think we had 106 people that year oh in my, my class. Wow. I said, if I don't get top eight, I'm going to step away. I'm going to step away and I want to focus on freestyle full time. And I'll never forget, Like I went to a national in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. probably about two weeks before and It was called the Last Chance National. It was right before Grands. And same thing, I was averaging, that whole season I was averaging fourths, fifths, sixths. Every dude was trying to get last chance points, so everybody on the East Coast and Midwest came out to this race, and I never did good at this track. It was short, it was tight, the jumps were small. It was a great looking track, but I always either blew up, got taken out, or just couldn't put it together. And I got second in 17 to 18X. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) something just clicked. Right. And what's cool is right before, right before that national, I was going out with one of my friends, Phil Delizia, who was a big racer at the time. Uh-huh. He was taking me to Mike Jenicor's house, and we were riding Jenicor's Supercross track and no at the way. time. Yeah, So I went with Phil. We would, we would trek out from New Jersey, go out to Pennsylvania to go ride Jenicor's house. We probably went three, week in, three weeks in a row out to Pennsylvania and little did I know that was probably the, the best thing that I could have ever done that we went I got a second at that that national in, in Pottstown and I'll never forget I went in with so much confidence into Grands that like I was I was doing okay at motors. I was probably getting thirds and, uh-huh. and second but I remember I came into the second corner if you remember how Louisville was, was set they had a big step up kind of with like a 45 degree landing into the second turn mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it was a big bold yeah turn. so
1: I'll never forget I made a move On this dude that could have won Grands that year he probably hit the gate or just had something happen
2: sure that
1: I dove on him and ended up getting third in the semi and I made it out to the main so I was like I guess I'm racing another year Um, so I'll never forget at the time one of the big factory teams um, my dad was close with the guy that ran it because my dad actually used to be when I was younger I rode for a European bike company called one bicycles they were out of the Netherlands and funny enough years and years later one of my teammates actually won the Olympics two years in a row or twice in a row Mar Stromberg's wow so he was on one with me at the time and I met him maybe once or twice at different races mm-hmm. and at the time he wasn't that fast like he was oh. riding single A right and then years later he goes on free agent and he's winning the Olympics and then goes back 2012 wins the Olympics again I'm like I know that dude yeah we share the same jersey
2: right <laughs> right
1: so at the time, my dad was—he was the U.S. distributor for One because it was—it was based out of the Netherlands. So anybody that wanted a One bike in the U.S. went through my dad. Alongside him running his business and, and his normal job, that was something that he, another responsibility that he took on because the track, was the track director. Yes, yeah, so he was still the track director. Oh my god. Maybe at this point, because um, at this, at this time, Maddie started getting into racing. Hmm. That my dad and Big Scott decided to team up, and they became the state commissioner and the assistant state commissioner oh so they gosh, were
0: they brought it to the next level oh yeah
1: and I think at the time Donna may have actually been the, the treasurer of the track so the three of them were basically running NJBMX racing Yeah, to an extent so at the time my dad became really good friends with one of the, the big factory team managers and I'll never forget they had the big scaffolding set up and I'm coming down along the first straight where all the factory teams lined up at the Grands yeah. and my semi just finished and I'm in awe like the fact that I just made it out of my semi in the hardest class at the grands, and I'll never forget. I had the the team manager. I think they won the title that year, cheering for me because I just knocked out one of his biggest competitors from the other team. That really? was clearly on their team sheet. Like he was a shoo to win.
0: And he didn't make the
1: main. I knocked him out in that second. I didn't take him out, but right, I, right. I kind of dove underneath him and kind of blocked Took him his out. line. Yeah. yeah, and just at that point, I'm like, all right, you know what? I made the main i guess i'll race another year yeah right so i go to grant the next year and this time i'm really riding i just got my license so i'm driving the skate park every day that i'm not working and i worked at the skate park so every day after work i was riding the skate park so i was probably riding the skate park at least six six days a week and this was incline yeah right yeah so i basically grew up there my sister was going to college and she worked there through college and then when she got her first teaching job she kind of transitioned out and then would work there in the summer but i basically would replace her Mm-hmm. kind of running the desk and and kind of doing that sure so I'm really not riding my race bike at this point I think I'm 19 at the time and my dad's getting so frustrated he's like why are we going to races he goes you're never on your race bike and I rode two different bikes right just because two totally different setups if I was going to trails like I don't want to ride my race bike right. so I'm riding my race bike maybe once a week at this point and I made myself a deal because I was contemplating going single A and going that route because I felt like I felt that I would do pro-ams and I was holding my own and my dad Mm -hmm. told me he's like if you beat this certain person consistently who was Mm -hmm. a single A pro Uh
2: we'll
1: talk and he goes we'll talk about you turning single A and I was consistently beating him. and at the point I really wasn't I started losing interest, but I know it meant so much to my dad because now I'm finally starting to shine. I started really doing well at races. I was pretty much top three every national I went to. Mm -hmm. That him and I were like, we started butting heads a little bit because he was so invested in it. And then it got to a point where my love for it was still there. It's just I found more passion on freestyle, like riding trails and riding skate parks. To me, that was so much more fun. Mm -hmm. But this was the first year or two that I really started competing. In freestyle and Gatorade had a free flow tour series which is like an amateur do tour at the time and they had a stop at Incline and I got third place really so I'm like wow like I can go to a national hold my own be top three but I can also go to an amateur BMX contest in, the, in like the top class and I can also podium as well right and I'm seeing the prizes that I'm getting I'm seeing the trips that the winners were getting I'm like I want that I want something like that. Yeah. And if I won a national, I was getting $11 in BMX bucks. Right. <laughs> that I can only use for registration, which was paid for me at the time. Right. Or I can go to one of the competing bike shops and I can use it to buy stuff from right. the other brands.
0: Right.
1: So it's just... I i don't know. I just wasn't having as much fundraising anymore. I think I was growing out of it. And the deal I made with myself that year was if you don't this i made a deal with myself to if if this was gonna be the year i turned pro i said either next year if you're gonna if you're gonna race you're gonna turn single a right or if you get the offer from a factory team to ride for them as an amateur oh okay that was my decision maker i go to grand's actually no this is probably around south park so this is 2000 yeah this is 2009 I'm around South Park time and I actually saw somebody ask this question of why I was afraid of the pro jump in South Park oh Pat Parker yes yeah. so Pat and I have known each other for years and yeah. he's always kind of been a ball breaker to me because I was like kind of more of the shy little kid but uh-huh. I liked going fast but when I went there the only other time I had been to South Park was in 2006 and in practice I broke my hand mm. where I was going into the first turn it was kind of like a triple mm-hmm. and I cased the last part of it and I got bucked forward and I end up breaking f- my four fingers outside of my pinky and I broke the outside of my hand all one shot oh, God. so they had to reset all of my fingers and I'm like I hate this track
2: right.
1: it's so big and burly like, I, I actually did much better on tracks that had super long first straights mm-hmm. like Howl and Trumbull and South Park was one of those tracks I just think I wasn't ready for it the first time I went out there sure. and I got worked yeah. so 2009 comes I'm riding skate park and trails all the time Barely on my race bike at this point. If I was touching it once a month outside of going to a national, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. And my dad's just getting super frustrated, and he's getting annoyed. He's like, "What are we doing this for?" Because I, he was still running the team that I ran, I rode for. So yeah. he's like, "We're not putting the effort that everybody else is putting in." And I'm taking you all over. What like, what are we doing? Right. And he never. One of the cool parts about my my parents in general, like they supported me for whatever I did. But they understand because they really didn't grow grow up rich, they didn't grow up poor, but they they knew the value of hard work Mm -hmm. and that hard work got you results. And my dad is just so frustrated that I'm not touching my bike. He's like, you want to go to the track? I'm like, not particularly. And I can drive myself at this point. So my dad would show up at the track by himself and I wouldn't show up. I, I would come home and he's like, where were you? I said, I stay at the skate park a little longer. And he goes, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and he, I could tell he would, he would get pissed.
0: Right, right. So, but he gets it on some level. Yeah, or...
1: oh yeah. And I'll tell you, he was the greatest because he never put pressure on me. Mm-hmm. The only time I would see him get frustrated is if I didn't try or I just didn't put the effort in. So I sure. can tell he was getting sh- like stressed because we're going, we're expected to go to these big races, and most of the time he would put me on a team sheet mm-hmm. just because our, our class size was so big, we I would get, get bonus
0: points. points, right?
1: And we go to South Park. And at the time, this is my first time being there since I broke my hand. So this is my first oh, time back okay. in three years. Yeah. And now I'm in the 19 to 25 class, and I don't think I had ridden my race bike in two months. And we just built a new bike. We just at the time we were riding still for the bike shop my dad ran uh-huh. for my whole time with him. He had we just got sponsored by the bike company called Intense. That was like our co-sponsor oh, okay. for frames. Right. And he built my new bike up and this was my first time on it and at the time Pat Parker rode for um, the team rennin answer rennin right so they were like the big competing team against the team I rode for sure and I don't even think I was on the team at that point I still rode for the bike shop and funny um, so I'm riding and I just got on this bike for the first time and I could not believe how good I was riding that weekend, that I didn't lose a lap, like anything up to the main. And the kid that was leading national points in 1925, well, that was his home track. He was from South Park. Okay. And it was like the running joke of like, dude, if you don't hit that pro jump, he's going to beat you. Right. Like you're riding faster than him all weekend long. Right. You can easily take this if you hit that pro jump. And I had never hit it up to this point because I had never realized... It took me a little while to do it, was you really had to ride the top of the second turn in South Park, and I was always yeah. diving the bottom. So I was missing all the speed from the turn. Sure. That I would catch my back tire on the step up out of the turn, and I, I never felt like I had the speed to do it. Right. And sure enough, first day, I did not lose a lap up until the main. I'm, at, I'm in first. I get a good gait, and out of that second turn, I take the bottom, and sure enough, that dude took the pro set and passed me. Oh. And I got second that day. So Pat never lets ne, Pat never lets me live it down, and <laughs> and it was like the running joke. And I didn't, I still didn't hit it that weekend. So yeah, what's yeah. crazy is, I think the one day, no, so Sunday comes. I'm like, I'm gonna hit it. I'm gonna hit it. I still hadn't hit it at this point.
0: Oh, so you had already, you just done, so, got yeah. one race done with for the weekend. Yeah. So
1: Saturday, I was like, damn it, dude, like you could have won that, and that. Yeah that would have been the biggest win of your life this uh-huh. is South Park this is the next biggest race to the Grand
0: sure everyone loves South Park
1: I, yeah it was the best track ever for me like it was downhill it was fast but I've, I felt that I shined on a track with a long first straight because mm-hmm. I felt like I can I never had the quickest ga- I actually used to slingshot before they went to random sorry I had really really good timing on a slingshot mm-hmm. that when they went to random my gate was blown yeah, and yeah. I can never I didn't watch the lights I went off timing but at the time I'm not listening I'm just kind of right. like alright going. you're ready Right. And it got to the point where my gate sucked. It was Uh like a running joke how bad it went. That I would need a long first straight to kind of get my second, third, and fourth kind of going to be able to get past them down the first straight. Mm -hmm. And day two comes at South Park. I somehow pull an inside gate because I never would get inside gates. And it got to the point where I was winning the main again. (laughs) and I rail the turn and last second I bitch out and go to the amateur side Oh! little little did I know homeboy was in second again hit the pro set passed me again oh, so I ended up man. in second twice so oh. that was kind of that's kind of what Pat's question was about of like well, know, I don't think it was a question no, it he was, was more of a statement Yeah, yeah I would say so so <laughs> him and my dad
0: it's rhetorical
1: him and my dad would always bust me and yeah. Pat was a little bit more Stern about it, my dad would do it in a joking way because he knew that was like that was the game changer, right? Right, but Pat was just like the older dude, he was probably like 10 years older than me, but like he was hitting it, yeah. And he would do like tabletops over because he rides trails in Kingston, Mm, right? So he would always send me, he's like, dude, how come I'm hitting and you're not, right? So I left South Park and that was my last national before I went to Grands. I don't think I touched my bike from South Park till I went to Grands that year. Oh okay. because I started doing contest and I started doing free flow tours and we were going to a couple different stops. I think we that year we did incline stops. Rye had one and maybe we went to one other one. That the week before grands, the only way you got to free flow finals, which they Gatorade went above and beyond, flew you out to the, the finals, put you up in a hotel for a week, mm-hmm. gave you food incentives, everything. I had gotten a wild card into free flow finals. So I went to a couple stops. I podiumed. I think I got a fourth and they're like, look, we've seen you come out to a bunch of stuff. Like we want you at finals. Mm -hmm. This is a week before Grand's. So the last thing I'm touching is my race bike. I wanted to go prove something to the world that I really never spend a lot of time in, but I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to get an opportunity to go.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Never forget. My dad goes, why are we going to Grand's? He goes, you haven't touched your bike since July, and Grand's, I think, was, like, September 3rd and 4th. He goes, we're wasting our time.
0: Always Labor Day weekend. Yep. Yeah.
1: And that was about the time I made the deal that said, okay, if I, if I don't make the main number one, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But if I do make the main, and I don't have an opportunity to go ride for a factory team, I'm done. Or if I want to keep racing, I'll do it on more of a fun level, but I'll do like pro ams and stuff like that. But I'll race single A. I don't think there's really a reason to do amateur anymore.
2: Right.
1: So we go to Grands. I didn't lose a lap until the main in 19 and 25. So here I am like smacking myself in the head. of like, dude, you got to stop making these deals with yourself. <laughs> Make the decision after the race. Oh man. And my dad is just like so just blown away. He's like, how is this happening? Because now I am I just turned 19, I'm the young kid in 19 and 25, so right. I'm racing all the older dudes, right. where I think the 17 to 18X class the year before was way more competitive. I don't know if you still follow racing much, but... I do a bit. At the time, when we were in the main in seventeen eighteen, it was Nick Long in gate one, me in gate two. So Nick, at the time... Oh, really? That was his last amateur race, and then... 2 weeks later he went and won a Supercross pro race. I'm like, yeah, Whoa. you should have turned pro 3 years ago, dude. But wow. it's funny. He's like the only dude that I still actually keep in touch with from racing is Nick Long.
0: And he kept it uh, I'm surprised he kept it going until he was you're saying he was 19? No,
1: that at that point that was when we were both 18. He was 18 going on 19 cuz his yeah. birthday fell right after grant so he always raced gotcha. a year below.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you.
1: So, but right that was his last amateur race. So like yeah. I'm I'm used to racing dudes like Nick Long and some mm-hmm. of the other dudes and obviously people that know racing. Nick Long's been on the Olympic team the last sure. two Olympics and arguably could have won the last one. Right, right. And like I'm like used to racing dudes like that. So when I went to the the 1925 class it was like a breath of fresh air of dudes like I didn't know how they worked. Mm-hmm. Neither did they know how I rode. So I think for me it was it was a refresher that I had new people, new faces and new competition. And it got to a point where we showed up at Grands. I didn't lose a lap up until the main. And I think I got sixth in the main. I'm like, well, nobody's come up to you yet. Nobody's asked you to come ride for their team. You might be good. You might be getting out of this. (laughs) And all I'm thinking about in my head was you have free flow finals in a week. Don't get hurt. Right. And little did I know that team manager that my dad was talking to the year prior. Uh Uh-huh. Came up to me, congratulated me, because I think I helped him kind of take points away from the competing teams oh, at, the, right. at the time. Sure. He goes to me. How would you like to come ride for Felt, which uh-huh. was which was the top race team on the NBL at the time? Sure. And I'm like blown away because this is the team I've been wanting to ride for my my whole life. I, they ran different bike companies at the time, but that sure. was the team manager and the team that I wanted to ride for. Was Alan
0: Foster involved then?
1: Alan was the brand manager of Felt so he, he was Scotty's team manager for Freestyle because Scotty rode for Felt for a long time okay. but he also oversaw the race program mm-hmm. so they had another guy basically run the race team but Alan was basically the, the answer to everything that we needed stuff for okay. so if we wanted bikes, if we wanted to go on trips or go to nationals like he was the dude that either said yes or no and to me I'm like this is the craziest thing ever like, I was so blown away. I was I was stoked that I did so well at Grants, number one. Right. But now I just had the biggest factory team come up to me and say, hey, we want you to ride for us. Right. Blew me away. So hey, I'm like, well, I guess I'm racing already, another year.
0: Even though you had made a deal with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, you just couldn't get out of it. No.
1: So it This got, must have
0: been four tries. To get out of it yeah the
1: fourth one we'll get to the how the fourth one went down it's a little different oh than we're these. on the
0: third all right so we're no we're
1: coming up to the third <laughs> okay. so the, the third one was at the time felt decided that they were going to pull out of bmx they oh, okay. were going to pull out of bmx racing scotty was still riding for them on freestyle and alan and, and the guys at corporate felt because they're another european brand mm-hmm. they decided that they weren't seeing I guess the returns on investment in the BMX sector like sure. they did in mountain and road bikes. So like, you know what? We're going to take a step back. We're going to pull the racing side out of Felt's mm-hmm. portfolio. And we had transitioned at the time. We were working with, um, I don't know. Do you know Steve Spencer? Steve Spencer runs yeah. GT or used yes. to run GT? Yeah.
0: He was also a trainer at one point. Yeah.
1: So Steve...
0: Or still is I don't
1: Steve... Had, I don't know how the whole thing went down, but we ended up changing from felt, mm-hmm. and now we were running GT. So we were riding for GT now.
0: After so, they were sold? Were they part No, of... this is,
1: yeah, this is after they were sold. Yeah. So they had, I think Mike Day was on the team at the time. Mm-hmm. Jill Kintner was, I think, still there. And then they had, like, the amateur national team. Sure. So we were doing that. And for 2010 we rode we rode gt bikes so now i just built up a brand new felt i rode it for two races it was honestly probably the best race bike that i rode before i stopped yeah and i was like heck yeah like this is the coolest bike i feel good it was instantly like i i just got used to it Mm -hmm. and my team manager at the time he's like well i gotta send you a new bike and to be honest the bikes that they sent us from gt at the time they were remodeling the race bike but they weren't finished yet so they sent us complete race bikes that they were selling in the bike shop they were like a mid-level race bike complete. Sure. And the geometry was so off. And I just couldn't get used to it. Probably because I was riding my other bike. Mm-hmm. I was riding like my park and my trail bike. Oh, yeah. Nine, that... 99% of, of the time. Right. That I got to the point I was just only going to nationals. I wasn't going to practice. I wasn't going to the track. I literally just felt like if I'm on my bike, mm-hmm. I'm good. It didn't matter what bike it was. That the deal I made with myself that year was... If you make... If you get into Dew Tour... Because at this time I had made Free Flow Finals. And that was like the stepping stone to get into Dew Tour Open Qualifying. I said, if you make Dew Tour... You will will stop racing. I'm like, okay, cool. I did not make it into Dew Tour. But the Free Flow store was still going around. And so this is 2010. I'll never forget. We went to... The Incline Club stop was the first stop of the year.
2: Yeah.
1: And... This is probably May. It's so a super hot New Jersey weather, just super humid inside the skate park building. That I got second place in the contest and Corey got first. So Corey got an automatic bid to go to Salt Lake City.
0: Corey Berglund. Yeah. No way.
1: Yeah, so Corey's another one for people that don't follow the YouTube channel or anything like that. When I first started racing, Corey was one of my first friends when I raced. Okay. Like so him and I raced together. Um, Scotty was a little older than us, so they always sure. joke around that, like, oh, Corey used to beat him. We never raced each other outside right, right. of just practice, but Corey and I would race each other a little bit. Yeah. There's debate on who used to beat who. Yeah, yeah. But I have documentation to prove, <laughs> but he <laughs> claims it's practice, but that's besides the point. But Corey, <laughs> Corey actually, funny enough, there was a jump out of the first turn on the way the track used to be designed behind the bike shop. Mm-hmm. That was like a double, probably like a six foot gap. Yeah. But like when you were just learning how to ride. Like, right. that was the jump. If you could jump that, you were, you were like, the dude of, the, like, the little kids. Right. And Corey actually taught me how to jump that jump. I, like, followed him through it. So, I'll give Corey credit for teaching me how to jump my first double.
0: Oh, okay. But. It's a consolation prize. It sounds like we're <laughs> coming to.
1: Yeah, so, at the time, we're. <laughs> Sorry, right.
0: Corey, it sounds like you were a little short on that one. <laughs> uh,
1: I think I was smaller than him at the time. <laughs> but, yeah, Corey's, Corey's been, I've known Corey since the same amount of time I've known Scotty. Yeah. Um, so, We've been friends for now, thinking about it, 20 years.
0: That's amazing on a whole nother level because, you know, with the with the whole channel deal. It's it, it's crazy. It's all friends. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. original friends from years
1: ago. Yeah, so when we were at that free flow stop, Corey got first, and Corey ripped it that day. He was, I think he did a three double whip over the spine. He was doing a ton of stuff, yeah. and I had just learned triple whips at the time. So they used to have a, a big indoor... To me, they were indoor trails. There used to be four box jumps, and the last one was six and a half feet tall, but the landing was just as steep as the lip. Like, mm-hmm. they were, like, straight up, straight down, like, eight-foot deck, like, huge box jumps. Where was this again? This is that Incline. Oh, Incline. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, this is when we did our big renovation, probably, like, 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Like, Scotty wanted, like, full detour training course. But the box jumps were bigger than trails that I've, I've ever ridden. And... I'll never forget, I learned triple whips that, um, yeah, I think it was that contest I did my first triple whip on a ramp. But Corey just, Corey was too good that day. He, he, he beat me. He straight up beat me. Yeah. So, Corey got, his, Corey got an automatic bid to go to finals. Mm-hmm. So, for me, if I wanted to go, I either had to hope that I got a, a wild card again. Mm-hmm. Or I had to find another skate park that I had a stop that I can go potentially qualify into. And my dad and I are actually, my family was on vacation. I think this was in July of 2010. He goes to me, he goes, what do you think about potentially me taking you to another skate park to go compete? I was like, dude, none of the stops ha- are any places that I've been to before. Right. And he goes, there's a stop in Ohio in August. He goes, if you think this is something you want to do, he goes, I will take you there. And that was in Columbus at the Flow Skate Park. Okay. So I had never been there at this point. I'm like, you know what? What's it gonna What's it gonna hurt? I'm finally getting my feet wet in competition, so I'm get, I'm trying to build my confidence. But going to a new skate park, I don't know the competition out there. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he was all in. He goes, "We're going." And that was my first time out there. Never in the skate park before. And somehow, some way, I took the win. Really? That was the only contest win I've ever taken in freestyle. Oh my God. A, and I'll never forget, my dad and I are standing there. And that contest was pretty heated. Nick Bruce was there. Wow. Um, this kid, Mike Gray, who's a big street rider from Canada. But at uh-huh. the time, he was more in the parks. I think now he rides for Haro. lives out in California. He's amazing on a bike. Mm-hmm. And there was a ton of other people there. I think Tyler Fernengel was there. Wow. Yeah, there was a lot of people. And I'll never forget, they're announcing the results. And Mike Gray had got third... Nick Bruce had gotten second, and they only announced top five because they, those were the ones that got prizes. Right. So I look at my dad. I'm like, "Well, we came out here for nothing. Like, it, we couldn't. We couldn't make it happen." And they call my. They call first place, and it was the DK team manager at the time that was announcing Trevor. Yeah. He's announcing first place, and we're like all the way from New Jersey, and my dad and I literally just went like dead stare, <laughs> looked at each other, and like just like. Just looked at each other and were like, oh my God. And we were trying to think before they announced the name. Who else was there? Yeah, was there anybody else from New Jersey here? And they called my name. And like, I don't. To me, that was the most proud I think I've ever seen my dad of my accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. And it was the coolest feeling in the world because we just took a chance and we're saying, let's go. Right. Because we don't know what's going to happen. I was really just getting my feet wet in freestyle contest. Right. And guys like Nick Bruce and Mike Gray. Right. I got second and third. And for me to, to come out on top, then I'm like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. And mind you, I'm still racing it this time.
0: Oh, you hadn't quit yet? No. Would you still have deals no, so, with yourself? No, so
1: – yeah, so this is part of <laughs> – this was my deal to deal get into three due tour. Deal deal four? This is deal three. <laughs> and I, I was like, all right, if I get into due tour, it's, it's game over. Right. I go – so the year before I got into free-flow finals, went to Salt Lake. It was yeah. the greatest experience ever. Mm-hmm. I end up bruising. I go to do a triple whip over the box, and I just bruise my heel like crazy. So I really didn't do well. But I didn't expect it. You know what? I made it out there. Uh-huh. That was it for me. Take it a year later, my dad and I say, hey, let's go to Ohio for a contest at a skate park we've never been to. Somehow, some way, I came out with the win. Right. I don't. I don't know. Right. if I deserved it or not but somehow it worked Yeah, and that was my only freestyle contest win ever really yeah so that one's that one's special mm-hmm. but while we're out there my dad's talking to Trevor who was the team manager for TK at the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he goes hey are you guys coming out next week for Dirt Circuit and this is when DK had the rebirth of Dirt Circuit. Uh, okay.
0: I didn't even know there was one. Yeah,
1: so this 2010. They did one, I believe, in 2009, but they didn't have an amateur stop. It was strictly just the pro contest. Mm-hmm. That in 2010, Gatorade had teamed up for the Free Flow Tour to do a dirt stop. Because now they were going to have... the. In 2008 and 2009, they had a park contest and a vert contest. Okay. 2010, they got rid of vert and replaced it with a dirt contest. So oh. now they have park and dirt. And What they would do is they took top three of the placings because they only had three stops for dirt where they had ten park contests. Uh They said we'll take three, the top three from each dirt stop, and we're going to send them out to finals. Mm -hmm. So me and my dad look at each other. We're like, he goes to me. He's like, "Do you want to come back to Ohio next week?" I was like, "Yeah," because he knew I loved riding dirt. Like to me, that was the most fun. Like if I had the choice to ride skate parks or ride a set of trails Mm -hmm. although i rode skate parks more i i so much have i have so much more fun riding trails than i do a skate park but i love both of them i love every aspect of riding even if it's street Mm -hmm. do i ride street a lot no but i know that if we go to a spot i can i can hold my own right am i going to be the most progressive dude out there no but i know i can at least get on my Mm -hmm. bike and do something that he goes to me he's like so this is like the middle of august at this point uh huh. So if you know the racing season, yeah. we're coming up towards grands, right? So we go from we go to Columbus in the middle of August, right? The third weekend in August was so a week after was the dirt circuit, and we show up. And at the time, catfish still worked at DK. Okay. He was like doing. He I think he was a sales rep at the time, uh-huh. and he knew my dad and, and me from different events. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, like they just finished up the dirt jumps. You want to like help pack them in and ride them? Mm-hmm. So I actually got a little bit of extra practice on the jumps. Oh, okay. And they were big. They were. I mean, they were. They weren't the biggest jumps I've ever ridden, but like going to a new place and being able to have a contest on them. Right. I was intimidated. Mm-hmm. I was like, "How am I gonna put a run together?" So I'm getting comfortable on them. I fell a couple times, just trying to jump them. Sure. I would have to bail, and then I started getting my feet. Wet. I felt pretty confident, and I was like, "Okay, let me start trying tricks."
0: Plus, they're probably getting faster as you keep...
1: Yeah, they're getting packed. You you yeah. see the blue groove coming into them, and mm-hmm. you know the line that you're supposed to hit. So next day is contest. Somehow, someway, I end up on the podium, and I get another bid to finals for dirt. And so I was one of f- four athletes that year that qualified for park and dirt. Uh-huh. The other three were Daniel Sandoval,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Kevin Peraza, and jason lopez who was a friend of mine from california yeah we were the only four athletes that qualified for both events oh my gosh so that was a pretty surreal feeling and this is when i kind of so what's crazy and looking back at it now the amount of dudes that were in free flow with us Mm -hmm. that have made it and built such a name for themselves in the bmx world Uh blows my mind in those two years in those two years that that we i did free flow so you have guys like Sean McKinney, Chad Curley, Michael Laren, mm-hmm. um, Devin Smiley. Um, who was in the, the, year after we had, that was really when the Australian contingency started coming out. So Andrew Ahumada, who's on Nitro Circus now, Shannon Verugia, um, Brock Rayford, mm-hmm. Corey, myself, Kevin, Kevin Praza, Daniel Sandoval. Like there are so many dudes that fell like that came up through that pipeline that have taken it to levels yeah. that I didn't think were possible. Right. And so we finish up at Dirt Circuit.
0: Yeah.
1: Next week we have to drive back out to Louisville for grants. Yeah. And my dad's like, do you even want to go? He goes, you now have two contests that you're technically in like the national final for. Right, right. Do you want to go? I said, yeah. So now your <laughs> dad So, you're dead. Changed, so my, my dad's dead. mindset is like, hey, like I Why see
0: there's – Racing yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah, so
1: it got to the point totally changed. But mind you, that whole year when I rode for GT, every yeah. national I went to, uh-huh. I got taken out. Yeah. Because at the time you know from the race world, like people always want to have an edge on everybody else. You'll see parents sitting out in the parking lot changing gears and they'll watch practice oh, and they're changing sprocket sizes and doing all this stuff.
2: Right.
1: That people like there was there was definitely a change in those two years of my racing. Uh-huh. that clearly something happened for the better right and I can argue that it was just me riding my bike every day uh-huh. riding skate parks riding trails and not necessarily being at the track every day I didn't go to the gym I didn't do sprints right I didn't work out I literally just rode because I had so much fun doing it yeah that it got to a point where we, <laughs> we go to grants and people are asking or leading up to grants people are like what are you doing differently because something's clicking and I, and I literally used to say, it, I ride skate parks. Right. And people thought I was just lying. They thought that there was something else going on that I was trying to hide. Yeah. That every race I went to, and now I'm on the factory team, so now I'm the guy they have to go after. Gosh, it's crazy. And it got to a point, and I still, at this point, wasn't the fastest dude out there. Like I was, yeah. I was consistent for top three. Hmm. But every race I went to, and I was convinced, and this is just all in my head. Sure. That kind of
0: like everything else you just told me yeah so (laughs) going
1: to going to a national and being on a factory team right i always thought just because the way the random system came out Mm -hmm. that if you were on one of the better teams your gate picks they put you all the way on the outside that whole year yeah every national i went to in the motos i had seven six one every single race i went to what? i there was a point that i stopped going to the motorboards to Age even check like six eight two but no yeah. i got seven six one every race i went to wow so those three years i went to grants that yeah, i made yeah. the main
2: yeah
1: i had seven six one yeah and in all the qualifying so 16th eighth quarters and semis I, I i never went more inside than six i was either in six seven or eight. Oh my gosh but every year i made the main uh-huh. I, I was in gate two so I was so thrown off that I would go to nationals and only practice 6, 7, and 8. Right. Because I knew that's all I was getting. Right. So now we go to Grands the third time. Mm-hmm. So I'm riding for GT at this point. And every national, at least in one moto, I got taken out. Like people would try to screw up my points to transfer out that I got to a point where I got so fed up of why am I coming here, putting all this time and effort, even though I wasn't putting that much time and effort because right, I was riding right. my other bike and doing right. other stuff. But if I got first place, and it wasn't about this by any means, but if I got first, uh-huh. I was getting $11 in BMX bucks.
0: Yeah, right. So I'm going right. to nationals. You're we're traveling, spending money stuff. to get there. Yeah.
1: I have to worry, number one, if people are going to try to take me out and could that injure me.
0: Right. And, really and ruin your opportunity to make, yeah. make real money at the
1: So I just got to the point. At the where, and at this point, I started doing shows. Like I was doing sun shows. Okay. So like I, I was doing a little bit of everything. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, you were.
1: And... I just, I got to a point where I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Why do I keep getting taken out? Mm -hmm. So we go to, we go to grand's that year and I was like, dad, like if I get taken out, I'm done. Uh I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, you see the opportunities that I'm starting to see on the other side. Mm -hmm. What happens if I get hurt for that? Right. And he's like, okay. He goes, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I could tell he was truly behind me. He was behind me the whole time. Both my parents were behind me the whole time.
2: Right.
1: But he was so invested in all different areas. And I joke about it. Him and Big Scott knew about every BMX event before Scotty, myself, or Maddie even heard. Like, they were just well-connected on the industry side. Yeah, right. That we go to Grand's. I don't lose a lap until the semi. Uh Uh-huh. I'm like okay I'm feeling good like I'm surprised like the moto and still 7-6-1 in my gate picks and I'm just so frustrated (laughs) and we're in the semi Uh we go into the first turn the dude in second takes the dude in first out I go over the berm of the first turn at at the grants I'm like so bummed out that like i had such a good weekend going so far oh my gosh but what i didn't real well i also thought at the same time i'm like this is your last race ever yes yeah right, right but what i didn't realize is as i come back over the berm the entire pack was taken out <laughs> first through eighth was taken out i get on i get back over the berm right i'm You're in first, first. <laughs> i was like you can't script this like you can't make this stuff up and there was maybe one or two dudes that got out with me, but I just got clipped in quick enough that, like, I got past them. And I'm like, right. you, like, how? <laughs> and that year, I think I got, like, sixth in the main. So I was just stoked to make it out. It. And right. team manager was happy because we got points and screwed up everybody else's right, points. Right, right. So at that point, I I really started getting out of racing. I, I really yeah. wasn't having it, wasn't feeling it. I made a deal. I told my dad this, and I, and. I I was in college at this point so like I'm learning business and kind of how business works Mm -hmm. that when you ride for a company you're a representative of that brand Mm -hmm. your job is to help promote them get them out to the public and show them in a light that people want to buy their stuff where I think a lot of people look at sponsors and like I can get free stuff like it's what is in it for me Right. where I always try to look at it from the other side of what do those dudes do every day to try to get enough people to buy their stuff normally But if you can have people out and about, either wearing shirts or hats or doing things that can promote your brand outside of what you guys can do from the office, sure. How can it work twofold? And at the time, I was probably one of maybe two athletes that I saw competing, both on a race side that could hold their own. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You don't necessarily you're not the best, but you can hold yourself on freestyle too. And if you show up to a contest, you can you can place top three or top five. That it was, it was rare to see. I think at the time, Brandon Dosh may have been the only other rider that I saw do it. And then he transitioned fully out of racing. And then within a year or two, he won the Duke Cup. He won the Duke Tour overall title. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I used to race that dude. Uh-huh. And now I see him doing this. And he looks like he's having a blast. Yeah. I watched what Scotty did years previous. And he got out of racing. And the opportunities that came to him on the freestyle side. And mm-hmm. I started a second guess. And when Big Scott told my dad, like, hey, you should get him into freestyle. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't change it if I had to do it again but sure. it's just crazy seeing what could have happened and I don't even know if it would have happened but I saw just kind of with, what was out yeah just like if I transitioned out when I was younger what could I have possibly taken into at an earlier age mm-hmm. but right. I'm not going to sit here and guess and think alright like what would have happened differently sure I'm stoked the way it, it went for me yeah so little, so that year I basically told my dad, I, th- I was like, I think I'm done. We go, so we go to free-flow finals right two weeks after Grant. So we went yep. Columbus, Dayton, so two Ohio trips, Louisville the following week. So three weeks in a row, we're Ohio, Ohio, Kentucky. We have a week off in the middle of September, and then we're on a plane to Salt Lake. And what was awesome, and this is before I rode for Gatorade,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when Gatorade was running the tour, I had essentially won two vouchers to Salt Lake City. Okay. So I asked them, I said, look, instead of having me have two plane tickets, we'll, and my dad f- paid his way out to go the year before, mm-hmm. I said, what are the odds that you can take my second plane ticket and pay for my dad's trip? Right. Not a problem. We'll take care of it. Next yeah. thing I know, we had an inv- we had an itinerary for me and my dad. Okay. Full flights, f- yeah. full food, mm-hmm. full rooms taken care of. Like, they went above and beyond.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And... It was just the coolest experience him and I got to share outside of just going to a national. Right. Because it was a whole different side of the sport that we had never seen really other than we went to – in 2007, we had gone to a due tour stop with the Kramers just to watch. Yeah. And it was the coolest experience ever. And then two years later, I was able to ride due tour courses just on the amateur level. So at this point, my dad and I are basically talking. And my mom – it was funny. She was always like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to start doing this? (laughs) It's just typical (laughs) – old school Italian mom just like right, right. my way or no way and right. everybody busts me because they'll they'll call me a mama's boy but like my parents I, I wouldn't have it any other way they're right. the most supportive people anything that my sister and I got behind mm-hmm. they were fully supportive of Right. so my dad and I really like stored towards the off season he gave me good life advice that year because mm-hmm. I was like still in college I was transitioning to going to university at this point so you and must have
0: been 20, 21 I was
1: 20 20? Yeah, yeah, it was probably a couple months before I was 21. hmm And, like, my friends from home, like, everybody was kind of, they were just working part-time jobs and mm-hmm. just partying and stuff like that. Right. And my dad basically came to me one, I think probably probably around Thanksgiving that year, and basically told me, he's like, hey, like, I know you like hanging out with your friends and all this stuff, but, like, I see the passion that you have for this, and I see where you want to take this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, your mother and I will support whatever we need to do for you. Mm -hmm. But I need to know that you're serious about it. He goes, I need to know that if your friends are going and partying, that you're going to the skate park, you're riding, because he wanted to look at it like racing. But because I hated racing and the training side of it, and it just got too competitive for what I was getting towards, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: he just wanted me to ride. He just said, whatever you keep doing, clearly it worked on the race side. He goes, I don't know how it works, but it did. He goes, what we can try to do, and this is kind of where I was going with the sponsor thing before. Uh-huh. While I was riding for GT, GT had started coming back out with aftermarket freestyle bikes. Oh,
2: okay. That
1: I asked him because I was like, I, and my dad runs a business and he's been in business for a long time. I said, dad, what do you think if we go to my team manager at the time mm-hmm. and let's see if if for the coming year, I want to pull back racing a little bit. I said, maybe I'll go to a national or two. Maybe I'll go to South Park in the Grands. Just, I can be a spoiler. I can sure. I can go just kind of rile up the points a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I asked him, I said, what do you think about the idea of, because now, now at this time I went to free flow finals and I ended up breaking my heel in dirt practice. So I had to ride the dirt contest and the park contest would have broken heel and the other one was deeply bone bruised. So I could barely walk at this point. Right. But my dad saw the fire that that's what I wanted. That was my new passion that towards the end of the year, he, he basically said, look, your friends are doing this. Like if you really want to do this, Mm -hmm. we're behind it. Whatever, whatever we need to do, like we'll make sure we will do our end. You just need to hold up to your end of the bargain.
2: Right.
1: And at that time I didn't know where riding was going to take me. Uh All I knew is I had the opportunity to go do it. I was still in school. So I, I would, Coordinate my semester schedules based around my travel schedules to do shows, contests, and just making sure that because I commuted to school, that I would just get up early, go to go do my classes, and then I had the whole day free to go ride. And I worked at the skate park at this point too, so the days that I didn't, so I would pro- I would say I probably rode six six days at this point. But I was working and before and after sessions on the days I worked, I would ride, and the days off, I was always riding.
2: Sure.
1: It got to a point where. My dad and I are talking, so GT was still going at this point. Let's see if they'll help with some support on the freestyle side. Because I had just broken, I cracked my frame that I was previously Uh, on. So I was like, Dad, like, what do you think, me thinking I'm a business mogul and thinking I know everything, just because I sat through a a business 101 class. Dad, what do you think about the idea of going to GT or going through our team manager? Mm Mm-hmm. And seeing if they can use me on a multi-level purpose. Me being out at races, getting results, Uh but me getting more into freestyle. Now, them having aftermarket parts. Now, maybe I can represent them to a market that most likely isn't seeing them yet. Right. And he goes, that may have been one of the most genius things you've ever said. At At this point in time, like I just, I had no business experience or really knew anything about it. But I was like, do you think that would be something they might be interested in? And my team manager was, um, he was a detective in New York. So like no real business, he may have known business, but like I knew him as just being a a homicide detective in New
2: York. Mm -hmm.
1: So we went and presented the idea to him and it went nowhere. I was like, this sucks. I said, I'm having so much fun. And I had been sponsored since I was nine years old. So like all I knew in racing was you ride for a company or you ride for a shop and you represent that brand. But what was a big reality check is when I finally decided that racing was coming to an end, I basically told my dad at the end of the year, like, I really don't want to do this. Right. But at the time, the GT program fell through. Oh, okay. Felt had a resurgence and said, we're coming back into BMX. So it went back to Felt. And knowing I had had met Alan a couple times through Scotty and when he would come out here for Felt Mm -hmm. trips, him knowing that I rode for the team previously... Right. I basically went to Allen and just – I was 21 at the time. I said, hey, I do a little bit of – I'm really getting more into the freestyle side, but I'm still going to races and doing this type of stuff.
0: Uh-huh. Well, he could appreciate that because Brian – mostly his brother, Brian, but yeah. his brother
1: is like the epitome of what I was trying to do. Exactly.
0: And you were doing it, just maybe not on the pro level.
1: Yeah, I was still totally on the amateur level where Brian would go to ABA Grands 95 up for the title. Right. Just slide out in the friggin' turn. And, right. And Ellis takes the title. Right to go win X Games three years later like I was doing it I I tried replicating his mold Mm -hmm. but I did it on a a much lower scale Mm -hmm. so it got to a point where I had kind of gone to Alan. I was like hey like I want to kind of represent on both sides and he got it but at this point I had only gone to one national in that year so this is 2011 yeah I got to a point where I got so fed up in racing Yeah, and there was a conversation that happened so I got taken so the last national I went to I got taken and I told my dad I was like I don't really want to do this anymore he's like well he goes it's, it's good presence just to get your face out there and, and show people you're here like show mm-hmm. them that you're here doing this you're here doing um, like you're going to contest. like you're showing yourself in a more diverse manner he goes let's just go to the race and it was in New Paltz in New sure. York and that okay. was my first time going there first moto I get taken out
0: by Pat Parker? nope no. Pat, was, Pat was in the class above <laughs> I'm me I'm just kidding
1: so I get taken out yeah. I'm so fed up at this point. Second moto, I slide out last turn. So,
0: oh my God! If you
1: remember how M.L. points work, you have you have total point system. Yeah, right. Just to transfer out. So You have to win the last. I one. had to win the last one. Right. I had to la- win the last one to tie for fourth place points, but I would have won because I had the last one. Right, right. I win the moto.
2: Yeah.
1: And I overheard my team manager say like something to one of the other parents. Didn't say it to me. Didn't say it to my daddy goes. He's about to ruin our team sheet. He goes, "I can't believe it," and like threw the clipboard. And I was so bummed out at this point. I was so just fed up. And I told my dad, "I said, Dad, oh, man, how, how are you running the team sheet? You made it because You made it out because the moto points counted. Oh, you're moto, kidding. Me. Moto points counted more than main points did. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the MBL system, you got more main point uh, moto points for a team sheet than you did on the main. So oh, I, I so believe it was like." Main. 60 60 60 for first place in motos and then yeah, like yeah, yeah. 20 points oh, for the main so you got a, a max of 200 points per rider yep i got it and it got to a point where he was so pissed off that i ruined the team sheet and i didn't want to be there in the first place yeah, yeah. i got taken out i mm-hmm. fell
2: mm-hmm.
1: i told my dad i'm like dude if i think it's gonna get to a point where i and i'm you know me, like, my personality. Like, I really don't get frustrated or, or show my frustration. Sure. That was one of the moments where I was, I was ready to snap. Yeah. I said, I can't believe this dude is freaking out over, over something so minimal. Right. That I, and mind you, he was the biggest team manager on the NBL circuit. I told my dad, I said, I'm going to go out there. I said, I'm going to finish this race. Right. I'm going to win this main and I'm never stepping foot on a track again, uh-huh. at least on a na- on a competitive level. I right. said, I'm not doing it. Right. What gate do I pull for the main? Gate eight. Eight, <laughs> of course. I got the best gate of my life on a random start. I cut over, got okay. out in front of everybody. I won the moto- I won the main. Uh-huh. I took my jersey off and I left it at the track. And I said, I'm never doing this again. And so this day, other than like racing side hacks and stuff right, like right, that. Right. Never, never step foot on a racetrack again competitively. Right, and that right. was, that was the nail in the coffin for me. It's so all, all the years leading up, and I'm like, all right, this deal's gonna be the one. This deal's yeah. gonna be the one. Right, it kind of took, kind of a crappy situation for me to really pull the trigger and say, hey, like, enough's enough. But I'll be honest with you, it was the best decision I think I ever made. It
0: must have reassured what you already started to learn, which was that freestyle had a completely different vibe to it and you were going to be more comfortable with that because of riding for yourself you're not on team sheets and all this stuff you're really just out there for yourself purely which bmx racing should be Mm -hmm. unless you're on the team level
1: yeah the biggest transition i think was because i i was doing i was racing on such a competitive level in in the Mm -hmm. competitive classes for the competitive teams high rider i still i still would go into contests and feel that i needed to win Mm -hmm. because that's what that was what was instilled in my brain not even my parents didn't care what place I got but from team managers and and riding at that level they expected you to win that was your job like I watch Supercross now and I love being a spectator because I can appreciate the heart the heart and work that goes into what those dudes do and their job is to go out there and win Mm -hmm. but BMX racing is on such a smaller scale yeah but the parents and the people involved treat it like it's do a do-or-die situation. Right. And to me, the risk-reward for what I was doing, for what the benefit was to me, and I don't want to sound selfish, it just wasn't there anymore. Getting a little taste of making money doing shows and going to contests and winning prizes, I was like, hell yeah, dude. This right. is sick. Right. But, yeah, it just got to a point where I just... I would go to... Well, while I was still racing and going to contests, like when I went to the first free-flow finals in Salt Lake, it was 2009... I went in there with a racer mentality like there was other dudes on the deck that they would say what's up and I'm like why the hell are they talking to me right now right. shouldn't they be practicing right. and it oh. got it got to a point where I almost went into that contest too aggressive that I hurt, I got hurt mm-hmm. and I just didn't understand like calm down take it easy like these right. dudes are out here and they're gonna get stoked on what you're doing just like how I'm getting stoked on what they're doing but what I did I'd never realized about the freestyle side is in racing it's all about who gets to the finish line first. It doesn't matter how you do it, mm-hmm. as long as you cross that line first. But what I learned on the freestyle side is I got myself more involved with it. There's there's room for multiple people to shine. Just because you win this contest doesn't mean you can't be stoked on what he did. Or the trick that you watch the dude get second, you're like, oh my God, like if he landed that, that would have been the deal breaker. That would right. have been it. It's just, it's such a different feeling, a different vibe. Mm-hmm. that to me that was more of where I was going. plus I look at my friend group. I mean I was lucky and I'm still very lucky that Scotty's been in my life for a long time that I got to watch his career happen where it's funny I'll run into people now and they'll be like what's it like because they don't, a lot of people a lot of the newer kids only know him from the YouTube stuff they don't sure. really know the background of his career right and that alone is an amazing story in itself. And people will be like, what's it like? What was it like growing up with him? I'm like...
0: All oh, the questions it, are in there. It
1: was, it was just a normal thing. Like, that was... Right. It would be like if you said, hey, I'm going to go to my friend's house and we're going to play video games i mm-hmm. we're going to go out and play basketball.
0: Well, you're around him at, at this point for 22 years now, right? Something like that? Well, at that point... Over 20 years. No,
1: so this is actually... 2018 is our 20th year of knowing each other. And uh-huh. I would say 19 years of being friends. I guess. Because gotcha. in the first year, I was, I was too hesitant. I was a little kid. That's I was right. afraid... I don't want to say I was afraid of him, but I was yeah. afraid to go and say hello, where oh, he would come say hello to me. Right, right.
0: Yeah, it does make it hard for you to to probably understand the question when someone says, yeah. you know, what's it like? It's, it's but, like it was when I was nine. Yeah, and
1: what's <laughs> crazy is like going into contests and, and, and like thinking of how I had to approach them, I would always go in with a racer mentality of like, you need to perform.
0: Did he ever coach you on that, um, Scotty?
1: What's funny is... He would just say, Hey, go out and do what you normally do. Go ride and ride your ride and just think of it like a normal session. Uh-huh. But what's funny is my dad and Big Scott were notorious for being sideline analysts. <laughs> that still to this still to this day.
0: I can picture them in a golf cart doing exactly that yeah, while they're exactly. watching them. Yep.
1: <laughs> I'll never forget when I remember how I told you in dirt practice at Fruitful Finals like I broke my heel. Yeah, yeah. I felt so good that afternoon. I felt like the king of the world. I, I literally thought I had a pretty good chance of winning that contest yeah. like in my, I ne- and at this time I never really was confident in my riding.
2: Yeah.
1: I literally felt like I could do this. I yeah. thought this was going to be my my big yeah. my big win, right I, there was one, two, three, five jumps in the line five five jumps wow. and a straight what? jump, hip but we're, we're talking 30 foot 30foot 30 doubles in 25-mile-an-hour crosswinds. And Uh it was gnarly. This is my big, big dirt first-time experience. Yeah, And I'll never forget my dad and and Big Scott are sitting there. I had jumps on every hit besides the first one. I just couldn't figure out something I felt confident with that I felt was big enough to be a statement and make make that move. Mm -hmm. And um, it got to the point where big scott goes to me he goes you want to win this contest right and i was like yeah he goes you need to flip that jump he goes you need to start with a bang and end with a bang he goes the rest of your run looks great yeah he goes but you're missing the starting bang right
0: can't straight jump no
1: and i was i was straight jumping it yeah and he goes he goes if you want to win he goes if you want to win you need to flip that jump so yeah. I'm sitting up there, and one of the guys, one of the other guys that I forgot about that did free flow with me for the two years was Larry Edgar. Really? Yeah. So Larry was oh in there God. the two years that I was in there. And we were sitting up on the on the hill of the rolling for the dirt course.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And it's Larry, myself, and TJ Ellis. And oh, TJ was okay. TJ was like coach, kind of coaching Larry, like, oh, like, is uh-huh. this is how you do it. Like, and TJ, if I was gonna ask anybody's advice on how to flip that jump, TJ was the dude. TJ has the most incredible backflip on under a dump. Uh-huh. that I go. And I was like, TJ, what should I do? And like, he kind of looked at me funny. He's like, you're not going to do that. Like, cause I didn't know him at the time.
0: This is the same first jump that we're talking about that Big Scott. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I All had right. to go
1: back up after I got coached from them. Right. Now they're telling me, Hey, like,
0: and you're getting a different answer. I'm trying to get it from TJ Ellis because
1: I know <laughs> I watched him earlier in the day and he's like, yeah dude I don't know if you're going to do this and he knew like nothing about me and I really knew nothing about him all I knew is he knew how to do that jump right and he comes back and he's like yeah dude like I don't know so I took that as challenge accepted yeah I took that as challenge accepted and he basically he looks I'm like TJ I got this yeah and well do I know I'm going to hit the first jump I overshoot the flip so I over rotate the flip number one But I missed the jump by, I missed the landing by like seven feet. Over? I went to flat. And I fell from probably, I fell from probably, it had to be 15 to 18 feet up, to a concrete floor. So it was like this picnic table we're sitting at. That was my landing. Really? I broke my one heel and I deeply bone bruised the other one. So thank thank Big Scott for that one, but they're the best sideline analysts. But that it goes back to my racing mentality of like, you you're here to do a job. You're here to win. Right. But what I didn't realize is like, hey, like you can you can just have fun and ride with your friends and, and feed off the energy of everybody else.
0: And but listen you can, to TJ. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it didn't happen that day. No. So after that point, I basically I was just like over this. Over but, the competing. Yeah. So what's crazy, and I'll, this will be the last story of racing, and then we can kind of move on. No, that's fine. Yeah. When we were talking about that national at New Paltz when I left my jersey there. Right, right. What's funny is I had gone back out to Ohio for my last free flow contest because I tried getting into do Tour for park, and I got to mine. Like, they only take, I think it was like 40 riders in the world. And like, me not performing the best at free flow finals because I had broken feet and broken heels. Right. I didn't get to perform the way I wanted to to get myself into D tour. Oh, okay. So, at that point, my dad and I went back out to Ohio and this is when Flow 2 closed and they went to the new building where Flow 3 was. I go out there for the park contest and they had a park and a, a dirt stop mm-hmm. at the same spot. I go out there for both thinking, okay, I can get my last chance to get into D tour. I go out there, I break my leg in what? finals of park. And I still got second in the contest. So I, I didn't qualify. Right, right. But I'm like, damn it. Like, you just ruined this. So racing, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth back. Right, it. right. I was like, I'm cleaning the slate. Fresh head. Going to the contest. Feeling confident. Break my leg. Little did I know, three weeks later, I get an email. Congratulations, you've been accepted into Detour for Dirt. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. And it it sucked because that was my first. I got cleared to ride nine days before we were leaving to go to Portland. So, like, here's my first real professional due tour experience. Right. I need to get top 25 to qualify to go to Salt Lake for the next stop. Right. And what's crazy is due tour at the time. Even if you got last place in qualifying, you were still making fifteen hundred bucks. Like that
0: was—that to me would have stopped racing. Like,
1: well, you know, I didn't, years I didn't or... know. So then it got to the point where I was like, I tell my dad, I'm like, should we even go? Right. And he goes, Yeah. He goes, Why wouldn't we? So he's more of a BMX it's head a than I am. No matter what, yeah. yeah. So we go out there, and the course was so technical. It was right on the water in Portland, and this was my first time having this was my first time having a euro okay. drop this is yeah. my first time having a euro drop in a uh, in a contest run so i was Remind jumping me of what a year so is. drop that
0: like this year's where they jump into the yeah so would you have to turn it they um and come through sideways if you do it sideways sorry the way anyway. the course
1: worked that year they had two lips on the okay. first jump to one landing for the oh first okay jump. so you had lip here lip here landing in the center.
0: So if you if you
1: And this is when TJ Lavin started building the courses. So this was cool. This is this was the year after TJ had his accident in Vegas when he hit his head. Uh, Right, right. So TJ really stopped riding at that point and was coming in and doing more of the course design. So Mm -hmm. he was making it super technical that. He had two lips on the in the front. So on the left hand side you had a Euro drop. So essentially you rolled down a bank Mm -hmm. and then there was a kicker and then probably twelve feet out there was a dirt landing. That set you up for the left side.
0: It was almost like a skipper sort of and kinda, yeah, yep. Yeah. On the
1: on the right side was just the traditional 20-foot rolling. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
2: So
1: you had the option of do I want to hit it from the left or do I want to go down on the right? Oh, okay. Then it went to one landing. Then there was a second jump that had two hipped lips. So you can go 45 degree each way. So if you took it from the left, you had a right hip or a left hip. If you started on the right, you had a right hip. To the center, then it was a long and low. But the long and low had a roller onto the lip, so it went like step up to kick her off. It was the hardest thing; oh I gosh. couldn't figure it out. Then you had a straight I could jump. Yeah,
0: I could see like a roll, a, a kind of a, a roll down. No, step down at the, after the jump. No,
1: nope. no. So it was a, it was a sweet. It was a a tiny little lip mm-hmm. off of the step up. Oh, my gosh. So then you had a big booter for the end. Yeah,
0: yeah. And
1: I, I, I can't tell you. I was stressing number one because it was my first real ride back. Right. It's my first real professional contest, like where I was riding against dudes like Dennis Anderson and right. Ryan Nyquist and all these dudes. Right. I just got I got so intimidated. I just didn't know how to react. Mm-hmm. So I I was nervous, number one. Yeah. Then I can't figure out the course, number two. Right. Right. Then we're in practice. And I, I probably have like a couple runs left, and I'll never forget. And this was like, they would say like, "Don't meet your heroes because you're going to be disappointed." Uh-huh. This was the absolute opposite. Yeah. I'm sitting on the deck with Ryan Nyquist, and I had, I, I've seen him at different things previous, but never actually talked to him. Right. He comes over to me and he says hello. And I'm like, oh my god, Ryan Nyquist just said hello to me. So he goes, "How are you feeling out there?" I was like, honestly, I'm a little nervous. I just got back from a broken leg. I don't, I don't. I don't feel my best. He goes, okay. He goes, where do you seem like you're having trouble? Where do you feel like you're not getting through as easy? And I told him, I said, that skipper is really, really got me. I can't get through it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do me a favor. Try this. And just told me to hit a different spot on the lip. Mm-hmm. Sure enough,
2: that's, that's that was, was all I needed. Really? Yeah.
1: But for him to take the two minutes out of his day. Right. While he's practicing for a contest that he was leading points for,
0: and you were in the same class up.
1: Yeah, so I was basically, I was in open qualifying, and he was pre qualified because he was right. leading, right? Due tour to points.
0: Yeah.
1: And then he basically took the time out of his day, and like to me, I'm like, that was the coolest experience ever because I've seen this dude. He's a guy that I've looked up to for ten years at this point. Yeah. And now he's giving me advice, and he's one of my competitors.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh huh mind you we're on totally different scales sure. but he is still part of my competition yeah, right. and that really gave me the feel of that was the difference between racing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and freestyle Right. but I did both the entire time so since I was 9 when the skate park got built
2: uh-huh.
1: I rode freestyle while I raced and, and vice versa
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then it just got to a point where making that transition out. and mind you that was right after the last national where I, I kind of had the meltdown right that was the that made me realize this is what i want to do this is the dream i want i want to go after
0: sounds like you've always wanted to be or you've always been competitive but you had to find the right combination of Mm -hmm. competitiveness with the right people
1: i think that's a fair statement
0: and racing was probably that the wrong uh venue for that yeah i think so freestyles
1: i i just feel like i outgrew racing Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of people do well you know i think the other big thing was I watched a lot of the older guys that I grew up looking up to and I was riding with them. the dudes that I wanted, how I got faster was riding with better dudes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to chase dudes down the first street. I wanted to like race them and, and practice with them. And when I see a lot of those dudes are getting out of it, that took a lot of the fun away from me. Like mm-hmm. I watched like the dudes I was so excited to see on a Wednesday and a Friday, uh-huh. no longer showing up.
0: Oh, at Central. So, yeah. Just yeah. like,
1: and like I would go to nationals, I would have friends like I would see from different tracks. but. It just wasn't the same. Right. Like while I'm riding during the week, I, I want to ride with my friends. Right. And at this point, I've I've gone a lot more into skate parks and trails, so I had my friend groups from that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't have any bad blood against racing. I just think, I think it was time. I think it was time for a new challenge. Time for a fresh start. Right. And what's cool is within within two months of me. No, I'm sorry. Before At the end of 2010 Mm -hmm. So I was still racing this time Is when Gatorade approached me To ride for Gatorade So I just got And I've always kind of looked I've used Scotty as this example You have your bike sponsors Your components Your shoes Your clothing Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky If you're like big time You get a drink sponsor Like that's like I always looked at Mira, Nyquist Anderson, Scotty Like those dudes They had an emblem on their helmet And they wore that emblem on their hats and i'm like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen didn't see that in racing no no you (laughs) didn't so what's crazy is at this time i'll never forget i was sitting in the college i was going to Mm -hmm. in a literature class and i'm like pulling my hair out i'm like why am i here for i'm taking a class that is required right but not applicable to anything i'm going to do in life right and I, get, I see my I hear my phone buzz. I think I just got an iPhone at this point, in like two thousand eleven. So I was late to yeah. that game. Right. I get I see an email come through from the team manager of Gatorade. Yeah. And they're like, Hey Vinny, um, we've seen you at all these different things and all this different stuff and we'd like to offer you the opportunity to be a Gatorade athlete. Mm-hmm. I'm like, No way. I laughed Yeah in the back of my literature class. Right. <laughs> and my professor at the time was like excuse me is everything okay right and I literally had to sit there and I'm like I was like sorry but I just got the opportunity of a lifetime right so I had to explained to my literature class what just happened <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> I'm sure they all wanted to hear but it
1: but mind you when I tra- they're all
0: stuck <laughs> yeah
1: so when I transitioned out of racing like right. all I knew was you rode for a company who had sponsors right, right. and that was that was kind of a reality check yeah when you go you're going into a whole new world and you're not the dude that people want to have rep their brand right and that was a big thing for me because I was still connected to a lot of the companies but they wanted nothing to do with freestyle right and I got to a point where I was like this is strange this is so weird but in that same year is when I I met the team manager from DK mm-hmm. going to those free flow stops in the dirt circuit at DK that they really had no east coast representation that they're like hey like Let's talk about possibly doing something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm like, oh my god, like I may have an opportunity to ride for a bike company on a totally different angle.
0: Sure.
1: And Gatorade was before that. So that was my first sponsor. So here I am thinking of like you're like this exclusive group. And mind you, those I was just on a product deal at the time. Sure. But just the opportunity to have an emblem on my helmet for a big corporate brand. Mm-hmm. Like, they were using my pictures in corporate PowerPoints and presentations for Gatorade, like, home office. Wow. And I'm like, this is wild. Uh-huh. But what's cool is, like, to me, like, I always thought that was, like, the hardest sponsor to get. And I've, I'm sure if you ask any, like, real pro in this generation, they'll say, like, it's far and few in between to get that. Right. But I had the opportunity of that, that was my first. And sure. I'm like, this is so cool and they honestly they were, they were great yeah but the program had gone out at the end of, um beginning of 2015 they decided to pull out of all action sports oh, so okay. kind of sucked but it was yeah. a great run while i had it but the dk thing started kind of around the same time i was dealing mm. with the, the team manager trevor at the time uh-huh. and he knew i was racing he knew i was going to contests and and pretty competitive in the contest right that he had told me to come out to a contest later in the year called Dirty East at the Flow, and he goes, "Yeah, you and your dad come out. Let's talk about what we can possibly do." Mm-hmm. I entered the pro class, and I missed finals by two spots. I got—they uh, were taking top twelve. I got fourteenth. Uh-huh. And at the end of the contest, my dad and I are hanging out after finals, waiting to talk to Trevor. And Trevor comes up to us, and like I was like, "Hey," or my dad's like, "Hey." So like I know he mentioned like you want to talk about some stuff. Trevor goes, yeah, we can't do anything for him. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I just didn't make finals, uh-huh. and that ruined my opportunity to get a bike sponsor. Mm. Little did I know that there was internal transitions going on within the company that there was mergers and acquisitions that were outside of Trevor's control that DK kind of went on standby. But he always told me, he's like, hey, stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's keep the relationship going and just every so often just hit me up say what's up Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that two and a half years later it was beginning of 2013 we were just chit-chatting about something he's like hey like would you still be down to ride for the company Mm -hmm. and that's when the dk thing happened so for like the transition of out of racing yeah not really understanding why i didn't have a bike sponsor anymore right this felt so strange and so i went for almost a three-year period without a bike sponsor and i'm like okay we'll figure it out but what it told me and what I learned from it is and this is a good lesson for any kid coming up Mm because I get this question a lot and I know people ask all the time Mm -hmm. how do you get sponsored oh yeah Yeah. and what I'll tell you and obviously you know I don't have to tell you any of this but people listening um, sure if you're in in it for the right if you're in it for the right reasons right it doesn't matter if you have a sponsor your Parents are the ones helping you out if you're supporting yourself and paying for parts and all your travel, or you, you're lucky enough that a company's going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. If you're in it for the right re- reasons and you started because this is what you love to do and and this is what brings you happiness, right? You don't need to be sponsored. Mm-hmm. Like, there's days where, like, I, I look back at it now just because I'm, I'm a little bit more distant
2: mm-hmm.
1: out doing my other stuff. That if I wasn't lucky enough to still ride for the brands I ride for. Mm-hmm. I would still be doing what I'm doing. And I would still have just as much fun.
0: But I'm. On the riding side yeah. and, and the professional side. Yeah, so side.
1: when I look at it, like I'm, I'm still lucky enough that I ride for DK.
0: Right. DK
1: takes great care of me mm-hmm. and uh, we, we're able to do a lot of good stuff together. But if for some reason DK came to me and said, hey, like, we can't do this anymore, that's not gonna be the end of my riding career. Like, I'm still gonna do everything I do normal. I'm still mm-hmm. gonna film, I'm still gonna coach. I'm still gonna go ride the trails and go to contests and events.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't. It's not the. It, it's not like the end all be all of my riding career if I don't have a sponsor. So that's what I want right. kids to understand is like. I think what helped me get onto DK, uh-huh. especially when I was sitting there for a three year hiatus of, being told to come out to an event because this is how we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do and being told, right. it almost felt like a slap in the face of like you just told me to come out here because you wanted more people at the event,
2: right?
1: And being told hey like we're gonna figure out how we're gonna bring you on mm-hmm. and then you say hey like we can't do this right and I I strictly thought that was a contest result sure that made that decision sure. little did right. I know years later I found out what the real reason was that it was just building relationships it was letting these people see you in a light that hey if they're not doing something for you in the moment
0: mm-hmm. see how you react
1: how are you working on the back end how yeah. are you doing things and presenting yourself to the public how are you showing yourself when you're at events mm-hmm. And I think that was what helped me because I was not, by far, I'm not a good contest writer. I choke at every contest or I get hurt.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: rare that I do good at a contest. But I love being at events because I love seeing my friends that I don't get to see all the time. Sure. And I love just the environment of that space. Mm-hmm. So clearly it was not based on my contest results that I got put on DK. Clearly. Because right. there's really... The only real other riders that do contests on DK are Drew Bazanson and oh. Mike Varga. Uh-huh. Both of those dudes ride X Games. I do not. Right. And it's cool because that that's their platform to shine. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of been like, all right, I'm out at events. I'm I'm doing stuff with the kids. Mm-hmm. And trying to be, I'm, I'm trying to show the brand to a different clientele base. Sure. Really, DK is being shown from them too, To the mainstream media. During X Games, you'll see a sticker. they will see the the frame. And you hope from a business standpoint that somebody sees them, they're stoked on them, and they're like, I want that bike. I'm going to go buy a TK Complete or I'm going to buy an aftermarket frame.
2: Sure.
1: Where for me, I feel like what I can bring to the table is a little different where with my coaching stuff, I'm working with new kids that are just getting into BMX. They're starting out on a Kmart or Toys R Us. Well, mm-hmm. not so much Toys R Us anymore. Right, right. But starting on a, on a more entry-level bike. And as they progress parents are asking what do we need what what should we get them Mm -hmm. now i can bring the avenue of say hey here's the company i ride for is it the greatest and the only brand that's out there no but i truly believe that they offer a good bike at entry-level rates Uh for exactly what your kid needs right and let them make the decision but if they believe enough in me Mm -hmm. they're going to trust my opinion when they go and they have to make the choice to buy a bike and if they see I have a DK hat on or DK shirt and I ride DK parts, Mm -hmm. they're going to be more inclined because they trust me as a person, or I hope that they trust me as a person, that when they go to buy a bike, they're like, oh, that's what Vinny rides. So what I want kids to realize is it's not just about having a sticker on your helmet or a shirt to wear. Because I think a lot of times people don't understand what it actually entails to be sponsored.
0: Well, look at how many years you went through of of different sponsorships that built up to the to the larger ones. Sure. And these kids, well, obviously, I think one of the major things is it's more of an instant gratification society now. So these kids, these kids want the sponsorship, yeah, the full boat quickly. Yeah.
1: What's different now is especially with social media, anybody can start a a company. Anybody can start a T-shirt company and say, "Hey, like you ride you ride BMX or you skate." I want to sponsor athletes I'm going to give a t-shirt And you're just going to Rep my brand And this is what I think This is what I think Kind of hurts Our community sometimes Is kids And riders alone Just want that That fame Mm -hmm. Or that level of Somebody knows who I am That they'll Undercut Every other rider And they don't know Their actual worth Like I look at some of these kids Coming up now And I'm glad Like when I was trying To go for it, it Was much earlier Than when these kids Are going for it now and just with my mentality, I was, I always thought that I was like keeping up with the tricks, right. but I was so far behind. Like I remember, I'll never forget the first time I learned truck driver to tail whip over a box jump. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the craziest thing you've ever done. At least technicality wise. Sure. Two weeks later, I see somebody do a truck to double it over a box jump. And I'm like, well, you're one step behind. Yeah. You think like you're, you're on it and you're right. up to date. Right. You're three steps back, dude. So for me... <laughs> It took me a little while to realize this, but I, like, I, I feel like when I made that first transition of getting out of racing, mm-hmm. all I wanted to do was learn the most progressive tricks because I was watching Scotty every day. We would have sessions and I'm like, you know what? He's really good at triple whips. I want to learn triple whips. Right. He's really good at front flip no handers. I want to learn front flip no handers. Yeah. And like there was a period of time we actually had, Scotty had built a ramp behind the bike shop. Oh, okay. There was a, a resi box jump a resi quarter pipe and a resi spine really yeah so it ran like you know where the bathrooms are uh-huh. on the back of the bo- yeah. on the back of the shop from that corner and then partially on the grass so it made like a T or, uh-huh. or a corner okay the amount of tricks we learned in that period of time we had that thing like there was like I'll never forget like random days guys like oh check this trick I learned out it was like a 360 windshield wiper before the trick was like even popular I'm like how is that and I tried it I'm like this should not be working huh. But, like, there was a period of time where, like, he was still so hot and heavy in the contest scene. I think that may have been the year he actually won the overall Duke Cup
2: okay. for due Tour.
1: And then he won X Games the next year. So, like, we were just trying to have session after session of the most progressive new stuff. But, right. look, he was a much different rider than I was. And I watched him do so. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. Like, that's cool.
0: You knew your limit.
1: But I knew where, like, my confidence was at. Yeah. And, I'm, and they, they bust me all the time about this is, like, I'm so neurotic about things need to be a certain way before I try something, whether it's my gloves being tight, uh-huh. whether it's I need to pull my mouth guard out, tap it on my bar, put it back in my mouth, yeah, yeah. strap my gloves up a little tighter, right. but when I would learn a new trick, I had to do it 75 times in the foam pit without messing up once. I had to do 75 consecutive before I would try it. So the funniest one was when we had that ramp. That's when I when I first learned front flips. Yeah, and it was Scotty, myself, I think Corey was there, um, my dad was there, and two guys from the bike shop. Yeah, were kind of just watching, it, and I was such a head case because any I I just didn't feel confident yet, but right. I didn't understand like Oresi, it's it's softer, but I looked at his. You're gonna get hurt. Like, right. if, and I, I right. truly thought like any trick that I do, uh-huh. if I can't picture myself doing it first or second go, I'm not trying it. Right. Because if I can't see myself do it, right, I'm just gonna, in my head, I'm gonna tell myself you're not, you're not able to do it yet. Like right. you're not there yet.
2: Right.
1: So I'll, I'll never forget. It took three hours mm-hmm. of run-ups for me to throw my first one. Really. And I landed to wheel, like to back wheel, and then just hit my back and I'm like okay, now I can picture myself doing this. And within right. three goes, I landed it. And then within a month, I was yeah. doing it on a real, real box. Really? So yeah, so like I'm just super – I've gotten better, with, believe it or not. Like when I – I think I just put too much pressure on myself when I, when I would learn new tricks is like I need to do this first try because I don't like getting hurt. I got hurt enough that I was like – I know the consequences. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to make sure anything I tried – it didn't matter like right. I need to know that that was a real a realistic trick that I could do
2: hmm
1: so but yeah like that period of time is just like how progressive can we get and kind of I look at it now I, I, I watch some of this stuff that goes up on Instagram now and I'm like you guys are wild yeah. and you're and you're doing it for nothing right and like I, I, I'm not saying you need to get sponsored because you can make money right but at the end of the day a sponsorship is a job a sponsorship is you're a representation of a brand that's put enough faith in you that they're using you as a tool to sell products. That's what a sponsor is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think kids look at it as like, oh, I just want free parts. Well, there's obligations on your end for what they do for you. Sure. And I think that goes, I think that gets underlooked and overlooked a lot because I, I just don't think everybody understands that aspect. Mm-hmm. and I think they just look at it from the rider mentality of I need free stuff and, or I don't have enough money to buy these parts that I need somebody to support me with it right. but at the end of the day you are a representation of that company so every time like, like I find now and I have I, I like it more this way of like like DK for example anytime that I go I like I'll go to them with certain ideas sometimes I'm like hey like here's what I'm thinking and here's why I'm thinking it and kind of giving them a little piece of what's going on in my head and how I think it can benefit the company. Mm-hmm. It's not so much me. I really don't care if somebody's like, oh my God, he rides DK. Like, I, want, I want to show the brand in the best light possible because we know the BMX world is very small. Mm-hmm. And what you're finding is there's more brands coming out and there's more companies out there that the pool we hope is getting bigger But the amount of space is just getting smaller because it's saturated. Right, right. And every company is trying to find their niche in all different things. And I just, I feel like I try to go to them with ideas sometimes and I'll say, hey, here's why I'm thinking this. Or if I'm working, and now I I use the analogy with the YouTube stuff when I did my last bite, when when I had my my teal one done. Uh They had... They had two frame colors. They had to do black and, and chrome, which are both awesome. I've, I've ridden both of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you have these people that, like these riders that are presenting the brand and being your tool to get out to the public, mm-hmm. I want to show, show the brand in a way that if I go to a skate park or I'm mm-hmm. at an event and somebody sees my bike, right. and they're like, wow, that's really cool. And they can also go to a bike shop and buy a bike that looks identical to it. Right. To me, that's a no-brainer. Like if, somebody, like if somebody's watching a YouTube video that we're filming, we're doing an mm-hmm. obstacle course and they see my bike and they're like, wow, I really, really like that. Uh-huh. And they're just getting into BMX for the first time and they need to go buy a bike. I'm one of the fortunate few in the group that we have that rides for a company that offers a product for that, that consumer.
0: So you're talking colorways? No, you're talking well, that kind so, of
1: thing? no. so basically what I was, I was getting at is when I presented it to them was why don't I paint my bike in a way that it replicates a complete bike. That somebody that watches the channel or wants to get into BMX, if they go look at Scotty's bike or Maddie's bike, they only sell aftermarket bikes on, sure. a, on a bike shop level. Sure. Big Boy rides for Colt. I have DK. So, like, kids can go in. They can buy a Colt. They can buy a DK. But if somebody sees a bike that looks just like the ones that we, we ride, right. I know if I was a kid, that's what I would have done. Sure. Wow. He rides that color. I want that one too.
0: Especially if you have some kind of connection with them. Sure.
1: And what happened was within the first three months, it was coming into Christmas season when I did Uh it. And I told them, I'm like, hey, like, let's let's keep track. And I used to tell kids like in my Instagram story, I'm like, hey, if you have this bike, tag me in it. Or Mm -hmm. as you get it, tag me in it. Sure. And there was a bunch of kids that were tagging me in it. They're like, we got this because it was yours. Really? Yeah. Nice. So to me, I'm like, it's those are the weird. It. Those are like the weird little things that you can kind of take note of, and when you're working with a brand, right? I want to know that I'm working with what their goals are. I want to know exactly what they're looking to accomplish,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and everything that they're looking to achieve. If I'm part of it, I need to know that I'm doing my job as the rider to make their goal happen, or get, at least put it in the right direction. Right. Where I don't think. Every rider looks at it like that, right? Or when kids are looking at a sponsorship, they're not looking at it from that angle. Sure. So That's my sponsor rant. Sorry.
0: Well, no, I hope that I hope that calms down a little bit because you know there's probably a little more money on the freestyle and the racing. Actually, there absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think kids are doing it for the wrong reason. So many times, I think even the parents are bringing the, kid, the kids into it for the wrong reason. I would say I would
1: say it's more. I've seen. Working at the skateboarders mm-hmm. and different kids I coach
2: mm-hmm.
1: over over the years because I've actually been coaching for twelve years now, so I've seen a lot of different oh, generations. Sure. And a lot of times, I will say is more more than not it's the parents that are driving that than it right. is the kids. I think the kids are getting into it because they they truly have fun doing it. Right. Have I met kids that do not like to ride their bike? Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's their parent. I'll never forget. I had a lesson and it was a group class so like there was a bunch of kids and I'm like hey like why aren't you around? he goes because I don't want to be here He goes, my mom told me I need to come and it took the fun away from it he did not yeah. want to do anything right. I'm like I went to the parent because I, I don't I'm fortunate that I get to work with a lot of awesome people mm-hmm. and, and teach them things that are hopefully in a, in a positive way sure that I will go to the parents sometimes and I'll say hey like either pump the brakes you got right. you're doing this for the wrong reasons right. you're gonna take all the fun out of it for your kid right or your kid's not having fun with this anymore I, I think you guys should take a break and I said it's nothing from you being a parent or me telling you what to do
2: mm-hmm. but
1: I I can just tell your your child doesn't want to be here anymore and I don't want I don't want you have to waste your money for something your kid's not getting any benefit of. right but you I think you hit the nail on the head I think at least on the racing side yeah. when the Olympics came out. Right. Every parent at the track thought their kid was the next Olympian.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah.
1: And on it, the freest- it, it, and on the freestyle side, I I saw probably four or five years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: We had a resurgence of there was a couple young up and coming kids and it just got it got very very heated when little kids were learning tricks, like if there was one standout, every other kid needed to learn. Uh huh. Or figure out a way to separate themselves and there was a lot of tension between different people the skate park. I'm like, this is crazy. Uh-huh. Like, I'm thankful. Like I, I missed this,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it was one of those things. And I, I think it's one of those things where I don't want to say parents try to live out the dreams that they couldn't when they were kids, sure. because it's not everybody. Not everybody no. wants to do what we do, but if they see that their kid has an opportunity to do something, I used to do it all the time when I would work at the skate park. Any kid that I saw that there was a natural talent or ability that I thought could do something, Mm -hmm. I made it a point to just go up to the parents who I had relationships with already. Right. And I would just tell them, hey, like, just from an outside perspective, I see your kid has an opportunity to do something with this. I think there's something there. Right. Just do them a favor Mm -hmm. and make sure this stays fun. I said the second it's ruined and they feel like it's work or you're not happy with a trick that they couldn't land that day or a contest result that they couldn't get like you need to put yourself in their shoes unless you have done it as a rider you're never going to understand it and what's funny I'll, and he, he was never like this but my dad got a reality check big time when I was little when I was like 9 I was racing we went to the Egg Harbor track down in South Jersey mm-hmm. and he had won a, a raffle he won a BMX bike and at the time, like, my dad would be like, why don't you jump that jump? Why don't you do this? Why and he was just an outsider. He just was naive and just didn't understand. He didn't know better. Right. But he, like, seeing my, my confidence and my riding ability, he's like, you could do that. You could do that. You could do that. And I was like, dad, you don't get it. Like, you, you've never done this. So he won a bike. And oh God, after like, the race.
0: It's like the Father's Day, Mother's oh yeah. Day race things. Yeah, so he, won, he won a
1: bike. Oh God. Thankfully, he didn't fall. Okay. But he did one lap. No, like at the time, no helmet. Right, right. I think he still smoked at the time. He had a cigarette in his mouth. I'm like, what do you do? Like, I wish I took a picture of it, but no cameras at the time. Yeah. But thankfully, he doesn't smoke anymore. He's long done with that. That's good. But he, uh, I'll never forget. He went one lap around the track. He goes, I'm sorry. (laughs) I said, for what? He goes, I now have your perspective. I'm sorry. But I've seen it and tell you he he was never the parent either him or my mom were never yeah. the parents that ever forced me to do anything right. or told me hey you need to do this right it was whatever my sister and i were feeling sounds
0: like it was just just discussion about support yeah like, oh for sure know, just trying to figure out what you want totally. to do before they supported it but
1: once he like my dad still to this day my dad <laughs> will come up with the most ridiculous trick ideas and he's like hey <laughs> you ever think about doing this i'm like no like no that doesn't work and and now he plays like a game with it he's like hey you know what I was thinking about on the way home from work today oh, what geez. if you did this and I'm like no stop <laughs> but kind of That's going funny. back to the parents yeah. of the kids like I just I see too much talent yeah. that I think just gets burnt out I think yeah. they just put too much pressure on the kid like you need to be that mm-hmm. you need to be the next Scotty you need sure. to be the next breath down a sandwich You're like, right. you need to be this next up and coming hot kid that's going to be the standout against everybody else. And,
0: and, and it's not just BMX that this is happening. It's been happening forever in baseball. Yeah, it's, soccer, it's every sport. It's not just our community. Basketball, you know, it's 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 crazy. But that's why there's so many uh, camps. There's yeah. camps, for, camps for everything. Yeah. Because my kid's going to my kid's going to kill it. He's going to make a <laughs> lot of money. Yep. And then they're going to loan. I'm going to knock this one sure. out, out of the way right now, and then they can loan. Kyle Curlson $10,000. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Because he
0: wants to know if he can borrow $10,000. So I saw him. that one. Yeah, well, what I said is I think you should loan him 10,000 followers <laughs> if he wants to hit 20,000. Oh, funny. And then I said, oh, wait, he means cash. Yeah,
1: he, he does cash. mean cash. Yeah, damn it. Kyle right. is so funny. Kyle, we'll talk about that sidebar. Yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have a conversation about that.
0: <laughs> but let's... Uh, two people asked him some pretty good questions. Okay. And I want to hit on this because sure. this goes into career outside of BMX. Sure. There's a guy named James Allen that says, what else do you do other than BMX career wise? Okay. We talked about coaching. You do the channel yep. deal. And uh, Tim Oliver, who you know, he does powder coating. He powder coated my bike. I thought so. I yes, was pretty sure on that. Absolutely. He's such an awesome guy.
1: I actually, I got to meet him. Tim is an awesome dude. Yeah. I got to meet him at the Scotty jam that you threw last year. Oh, because yeah, yeah. he had, he had powder coated a walker for Scotty. Yes. He did a, yeah, like a yeah. blue powder coating for that, and I, I met him briefly that day. And I don't yeah. like—I'll be honest—I didn't remember his name after that day, just because mm-hmm. there were so many people. Mm-hmm. But I had a call from a friend of mine in Minnesota that was coming out to do shows in New Jersey, okay. and he goes, "Hey, like I'm coming out there. I know you're around. Like, if if you're around, would you want to do the show?" Uh huh. And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." I asked who I was riding with, and he goes, "This guy from Minnesota and his son. Now they live in Pennsylvania." Oh, it's Noah, right? And little did I know, it was Tim and his son. Right. So I show up and I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah. He's the one that painted Scotty's Walker. Yeah, yeah. And from that point on, like... Like, we had a great afternoon. We had a great conversation about a ton of different stuff, learning about him and his powder coating business, mm. um, what his son was doing. And it was funny. And he's like, every time we try to make a trip to Incline, my son's always working. I'm like, you know what your son's schedule is and you still make trips without him. Right, right. <laughs> um, but he shreds. Like, I was watching. Oh, like yeah. We, yeah. Totally. So when we showed up, I'm like, wait, so it's just me and your son riding. He goes, no, dude, I'm riding. Right. I'm like, really? Really? he's good he rips I just saw a picture from the wheel mill
0: that, that yeah um, Tim
1: Tim's such a good dude yeah oh my god. his gosh. son's awesome but yeah and when I remember I got it was just when I got my new frame uh-huh. and I knew I wanted to do a color because I wanted to try to do the complete yeah, yeah. colorway that kids can go by. that I actually got a message on Instagram from mm-hmm. Tim and he's like hey man awesome Ryan the show with you last week he goes I know you were talking about getting a new bike he goes if you ever want paint done he goes I run Mm -hmm. powder coating he goes if you ever want to get stuff done just let me know Mm -hmm. so I had run it through him and I I gotta tell you I was so blown away with the work that he did
2: yeah
1: and the turnaround time I had my bike back in two days from right three hours away yeah thank you again Tim I'm so happy and I'm actually going to need your services soon when I get my new bike so I'll
0: be <laughs> giving you a call and his wife Becky actually they're engaged yep. uh, Becky is the one that took that shot of him at the wheel mill and he's doing a superman I'm like
1: Tim he did one at the show it was crazy
0: yeah he's 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 uh, he's the low key guy and you it, he yeah. just surprises you but with everything he was
1: such a nice down earth guy
0: yeah definitely so, so what was his question So between again? James Allen asking, what else do you do other than BMX career-wise? And then Tim said, hey, Vinny, how do you find time to ride and progress as busy as you are with your job? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, when are you going to come ride Caddy with us? Oh uh, Sure. But uh, you want to spend a minute on what you do outside sure. of riding? Yeah, so. And then we, get, well, we I will, I will
1: say since high school, I've always tried to maximize the time that I have while I'm awake. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I've always been kind of interested in learning how successful people make their, their livelihood mm-hmm. and just learning kind of how different people do it. And I've always held pretty high ex- high expectations and high standards for the quality of life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents busted their, busted their asses to give us the things that we have. Did we have everything? No. Right. But everything we needed, we, they made sure we had. Sure. So I'm super thankful for everything my parents did. Um, but my grandparents were big into um, like investing. They played with stocks and stuff like that. That my grandfather, <sighs> I'll never forget. He's no longer with us, but he was the funniest dude in the world. Uh-huh. He he kept this little notebook next to him, and he. Every dollar that we got, whether it was like communion money, birthday money, Christmas and stuff like that. He goes, so of this $10, how much of it are you putting away? Right, right. And he goes...
0: You got to do it in thirds? Yeah, no. So he basically was like,
1: you, like indirectly was like, just make sure whatever you're doing,
0: Uh you're
1: you're paying yourself first. This was the thing. He gave us this strategy with envelopes. He said, you need to keep multiple envelopes. That's so funny. That's what my mom does. For different Circumstances. Yeah. And he's like, but no matter what you do, Uh you need to think of yourself as a bill. Right. And you need to pay yourself first. All the other stuff, you have deadlines to pay it by. But make sure that you're the one working, you're the one generating income and, and earning a living,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you need to be the one that's benefiting from it the most. Right. And then when it's time to look at different avenues of where to put it, when it comes to buying a house, you want to buy a car, you want to go on vacations, whatever it may be, uh-huh. at least you know you have something there. So, what I took from him and my parents was every opportunity that you have to make a living or to add additional revenue mm-hmm. Why not do it? But do it in a fun way. Do it with things that you enjoy to do. Mm -hmm. So when I was younger, the Kramer family basically gave me the opportunity to go work at the skate park. And I've worked at the skate park from the time I could start working Uh when I was eligible up until the day it closed doing coaching. So I worked at the skate park doing – like I was running the office between um, Scotty's mom, the guy Dan who was manager at the time. Uh My sister was there through her stint. Uh My – Scotty's sister Kelsey Scotty's older brother Bobby Maddie was there so like we felt like we were all part of the family of the skate park so we treated it like our own so inside the skate park we offered instruction and lessons and stuff like that so when I was 16 the instructor that had been doing it previously decided he was going to college and was going to be shifting away so Donna gave me the opportunity to take over doing lessons Mm -hmm. so still to this day I still coach so that's one of the the ways I, I make money and kind of do stuff but that's on that's more of an on a fun side and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit after uh-huh. of what that has turned into yeah obviously the YouTube stuff that I am around for right because I work outside of it the things that I can make myself available for I'm absolutely there for them because all this stuff that those guys are doing I never thought we were going to potentially earn money from it right and I'm just a small piece of that puzzle and I fit where I apply based on the time that I'm available to Mm -hmm. would I love to be there more often? absolutely Right. because I get to hang out with my friends and we get to do cool stuff together but alongside of what I do professionally I work in finance so we we talked briefly about it earlier of I tried a couple different things through different people and I just couldn't find my niche couldn't figure out what I like to do Mm -hmm. um when I was younger, I worked at the skate park. I worked at the bike shop, did lessons, did shows. I still do shows every so often. Not really much anymore, but when I when I can, I, I like to do it because I, I like performing.
0: What are you doing with, by the way?
1: Um, a couple different. I mean, lately I've been doing them with Dialed Action Sports, the guy that Corey does shows yeah, yeah. with. Not. I, I'm just really not around that much to do them. I have too much other stuff going on. And what's funny is I think there's a mis misconstrued um, – people think – Oh, like bike riders have busy. Like, right, right. People always say, like, bike riders. I've always talked to, like, oh, I'm super busy. I'm super busy. Yeah. Well, what are you busy doing? Because I know what I know what busy looks like.
0: I'm looking at busy with yeah. you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so one of the other things, so like when I got into finance, like I wanted to keep BMX as the fun part of my life. Yeah. And doing do it on a different on a different wavelength than I did before, where I was trying to be a top professional. Mm. It never happened. But I found avenues and ways that i was able to continue to do it in a way that worked for me right from that point when i got into finance i was working for a firm for the last two and a half years doing personal protection and investment planning for businesses and families so that could be anything from um, life insurance and disability protection it can be setting up 401k plans for different businesses and retention planning for key employees on um on the business level where that's a lot more complicated where there's other people involved but what I found the most enjoyment with and it took me a little while to start doing this because I wasn't licensed yet sure. um, was investment planning and working with people and this is I think where I got the, the idea from is my, I watched the benefit of my grandparents working with an advisor right? and getting guidance that they can trust and somebody that they can go to when they have questions or they have or they see opportunities out there what do I do They had that trusted person in their life that allowed them the opportunities to do things. Did they win every time? No. There was time they had losers, but they did pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I, after my grandfather passed in 2015, um, I saw the difference that I see with some of the clients I work with Mm -hmm. of... When you have things in place as far as the documents and, and things designated to go certain places. Right. And then the complete opposite where no, nothing's in place. Mm-hmm. And how that plays out. Right. So when my grandfather passed away, I watched how they had a... They had all their, all their ducks in and Right. And they had the guidance of people telling them, hey, you should have stuff here. You should have stuff here. Make sure it's in a trust and all this different legal stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: that I wanted to become that person for people's lives. Like, the people that I worked with's lives. Like, I wanted to be that go-to, trusted person. And I yeah. knew it was going to take time because just like the relationships in BMX, mm-hmm. that's all about a relationship business. So, for the last two and a half years, I, I worked doing personal protection and financial mm-hmm. planning and investment planning.
0: While you were working to get your license?
1: Sure. Yep. Yeah, well, I, I was insurance licensed when I start, and then all throughout 2017... I worked to get my Series 7 mm-hmm. and my Series 66 licenses. Oh, okay. What those do is those allow you to sell securities, so that could be stocks, bonds, mm-hmm. mutual funds, all that, like the fun market related stuff. Right. The other component of that exam is a legal component that you understand the regulations and the laws that apply for what you do, Right. and it allows you to manage people's money. Yep. So. People will pay you a fee to say you're going to watch what my portfolios do, right? And from there, let's based on goals and objectives and, and things that we want to accomplish for the client, right? We can make individual strategies based upon what they want to what they want to do,
0: right? I got you.
1: So I did that. I loved it. I fell in lo- I fell in love with it. Yeah. Never, I used to say all the time, I would never go to work in a suit. I would never. I would never live that corporate lifestyle. Uh huh. And now, I think I just found so much passion and thrill for the actual business side of it. Right. That I don't care what I'm wearing. All I know is I'm doing good work for good people. And as time goes on, I want to build and grow in that business. Right. So um, as time as time went on, I saw. I don't want to say I saw a disconnect from the firm I was working with to where I, where I'm actually going to go now, yeah. but I just had the opportunity very recently to join a big investment firm, uh-huh. like a, na- a nationwide company, Right. Um, that I'm going to be solely focused on the investment planning side, which to me, that's that's the best part. That's the stuff I enjoy, but at the same time, I know at the end of the day, like, Any component, and this is what's cool about what I do. It's like there's people that focus solely on insurance. There's people that solely focus on investment planning.
2: Uh
1: I'm licensed on the entire broad spectrum of finance. Right. That anything a client can come at me with and say, hey, I want to learn more about this. Number one, I know I'm legally allowed to talk about it because Mm -hmm. I'm licensed and, and educated in it. Sure. But number two, I can do what's in the best interest of the client And know that I can give them whatever they want. Mm -hmm. If I don't agree with it, I can at least advise, hey, like, I don't know if this exactly applies or maybe we run something else alongside with it. Right. Whether they take the advice or not, I at least know I'm putting all the opportunity out for the person I'm working with. Right. And at that point, they can make the educated decision Mm -hmm. on... Based on things that they may have not known about previously, based right. on rules and restrictions on how you can access things and how you can't, yeah. or are there penalties, or are there tax liabilities. Right. So for me, especially in our community, in the BMX world, in the action sports world, there's not many people that we see go into a white collar position.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I, I try to do is I try to work a lot with you okay, buddy? We're at a skate park right now and the kid just fell. I the wish worst he, skate park in the world. I wish he had a helmet on, but he does not. Yeah. But. only one kid with a helmet on, too. Yeah, it's, it's silly.
0: When you're done with that thought, I think we may have to move out of the sun. Sure.
1: Because I am definitely no starting yeah, to get no,
0: affected by it. No, that's fine. It. It's been a couple hours of cooking here. Yeah.
1: Whew. Um, So at that point. Yeah. I just wanted, I wanted to work with my friends and my family. I wanted to work mm-hmm. with people that may not have had that person in their life to go to. And what I found is through trial and error, and just talking to different people, not every—you're not going to make every one a client, and I get that. Sure. But I want them to at least know what I do for a living, mm-hmm. because at some point in their life, there's going to be a life event that happens that they're going to have questions, and I just hope that I'm the person that they come and ask. Sure. So.
0: Geez, even on a friend level, just to sure. just to give yeah. advice of hey, you've, yep. you've got to do something, or, or, or no, you're fine.
1: Just if. Hey, I got offered this through work. What does this mean and what should I do? Right. Right. You don't need to take the advice, but at least you have the education of how how sure. the vehicle works. Yeah. So what's cool is because I do a lot of I was doing a lot of work and business with people in the action sports community. Yeah. I found that a lot of those guys worked in more of a blue-collar type uh-huh. job, whether right. they were in a trade, whether they worked for a union,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or they just worked general construction or they were a right. laborer.
2: Right.
1: So what was cool And I I always... And knowing that they came from more of a BMX-related background, they Uh knew that I coached. They knew that I worked with kids on on learning tricks and and getting them to what they wanted to learn. Right. But I always used to tell them, the easiest way to describe... When somebody asks what I did, I can give them the spiel of, hey, like I do this with insurance and and investments and 401ks and all this type of stuff. But in layman's terms to somebody that doesn't know it, I would always tell them, you know how when I work with a kid for the first time teaching them how to drop in? Right. Before they, want to, before they want to learn how to backflip, I need to make sure they know how to balance, they need to know how to stand up, they mm-hmm. need to know how to drop in, they need to know how to pedal. Right. It's the fundamentals right. that they need to understand before we can get to tricks. Right. And for them, they're like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. And I yeah, said, yeah. yeah, basically the way investing works
0: mm-hmm.
1: is you need to make sure that there's a plan on the foundation that everything is kind of succinct mm-hmm. in the event that things happen. And then once that's in place, then we layer things that apply. And based on what you want to accomplish, dreams and aspirations, mm-hmm. we go from there based on that. Yeah. And the other way I would describe it to them too, so they understand kind of how my world work con- compared to theirs, is because they were all in different trades, Sure. I would say, well, I don't do all the different areas of finance. Mm-hmm. I specialize on the insurance stuff and the investments. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to... Mortgages and real estate. Like I don't, I don't mess with that. Right. I know a little bit about it, but I bring in resources that specialize in that. Right. If it's legal work, I'm not an attorney. I call one. Right. Any type of accounting work, I link up with CPAs and do that type of stuff. Sure. So when I talk to somebody in the blue collar side, I'll say, "Look, think of me as a general contractor building a house. Mm-hmm. If I need electric run, I'm calling my electrician. Right. If we're running plumbing, I'm getting the plumber in there." Mm-hmm. If we need to build the foundation and lay cement, I'm calling the Masons. I'm getting those people. I'm getting the specialists in their field to take care of it. Makes sense. My world works the same way. It's just now we're talking about different subjects. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my life outside of this. Um, but like I said, I'm going to a new firm. And I'm, I'm super excited about it. I think for a long-term career move because I finally found the field that I want to spend the rest of my career in. Oh, good. And... I'm hoping, in everything that we've kind of talked about so far with them, Uh this could be the place where it could possibly happen. So, let's see. Time will tell. But let's see where let's see where it takes us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It can. uh, Before we switch locations, it's too early to uh, to suggest how people can can touch base with you on. Sure. On any any investment questions, yeah. or whether they want to, whether they want to actually employ you with their money, or mm-hmm. or just ask sure. questions, are yep. you, can you share that yet with your new position?
1: Um, I would say so. I wouldn't when the time is right. I'll put it out there okay. because with the way the investment world works, we are regulated through the SEC. Mm-hmm which is Securities Exchange Commission, and FINRA, which is the regulatory body of all investments out there. Um, This first position that I'm going to be in is probably going to be for about a year or so. Uh And because it's a new firm with new kind of protocol, Mm -hmm. new rules and restrictions, they're basically having me in a training program for the first year. And I'm going to learn products, their process, mm-hmm. just making sure I'm in compliance with everything that they're doing. Right. From that point forward, I can start bringing clients back into rotation like I was doing previously. Okay. Um, sure. I got it. And on that point, um, so I mean, my career outside, so grand scheme of things, my career outside of BMX right, is I work in the financial world and... I hope that gives a little bit of clarity because people sometimes see me put pictures up in a suit or a different events so are like No they Are know. you an accountant? I'm like no, 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 no.
0: Oh. I'm more than an accountant.
1: I know a no, little I'm bit about it, but me. no, I am not an accountant.
0: But let's uh let's switch spots. Okay, cool. And uh, to where it's shaded because Alright, so that explains the 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 full time career part. Yep. Do you have anything else
1: cooking right now? So I know we we spoke briefly about my coaching stuff and one of the things I had to do once once Incline closed was I still saw a demand and a, a need for coaching new kids getting into the sport. Mm-hmm. especially. And what's crazy is I saw that once the channel really started getting some traction and, and started getting some growth, Scotty's channel on right. YouTube, that we saw a lot of kids coming into the bike shop getting their first BMX bike, getting into BMX and
0: because of the channel, you
1: believe? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: 100%. I mean, not that I doubt it. I'm just... that You actually saw a tangible result and or, or return on what you guys have been doing.
1: It was hard. It would be I mean, very hard...
0: I know you don't... Yeah. You can't quantify it exactly, but there was a noticeable difference. I can
1: strongly say that there was a huge, drastic difference from what the channel was. Mm-hmm. What I would say before the channel was something mm-hmm. versus once the channel was popular
0: so affecting the shop sure, yeah but the you're skate, talking
1: about so this i'm still doing lessons at the skate park yep. coaching at the skate park and once the skate park had closed we no longer had a facility to go coach at and, and but a lot of the parents came up to me and said hey like will you still work with my kids whether we go to outdoor parks and just i want to make sure they're still having somebody to kind of look out for them make sure that if they want to learn tricks, they're doing it safely. Right. Uh-huh. And from somebody that knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And I was totally cool. I was totally for it. Yeah. That one of the things that I did as of probably last month when I finally pulled the trigger on it, just because I've been busy right. with other stuff, <laughs> Right. was I finally sat down and started an actual business for coaching. Mm-hmm. And it's called Strive Action Sports. Um, funny enough, the name came from when I was in high school, my I bought a surfboard called Strive. And I was like, wow, like that is such a cool name. That yeah. if I ever started a company or a business, uh-huh. I would always want to kind of do something that had that name as part of it. Right. I don't know why. It's just something stuck out to me. And I felt like this was a perfect opportunity to utilize that name, especially for the work that we were doing. And what I want to... The reason I'm, I'm so passionate about the coaching stuff is when we were younger, I never really had anybody that I can go to that teach me how to do tricks. It was more like, I look at our friends as we jumped in lakes, we did trial by error, right. and I know the pain and suffering that we went through sometimes, that new kids that get into it, I don't ever want them to have to feel that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want them to have somebody that they can feel confident reaching out to and say, hey, I really want to learn this, or I watched this kid do that. Is that something you think I can learn, or you can teach me? But I also wanted to be that person in the kids' lives that they can feel, that they can go to on more than just a riding thing. Almost like a mentor. Right. Because I know I had, I had my mentors when I was little. People mm-hmm. that I felt were like top of the world, like to me. Mm-hmm. But they can also, I can also go say hello to them. So with the coaching stuff, I actually, I've it's a, an actual business now. Um, I'm in the process of having my website built. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting that stuff set up. I have I'm gonna do a little online store on there just to kinda because like like I'm sure you know, starting a business, there's some some costs associated with oh, it. Sure. So just kinda I just wanna have some kids maybe wrapping some t-shirts, some stickers, some hats. Mm-hmm. Just something that they can something that they can feel like they're a part of something. Yeah. Whether they're um, whether they're kids that I coach or not. Uh-huh. But just something that the kids can all feel like, hey, you have strive stuff that's cool me too like i want I want the kids to almost feel like they because one of the cool things with the kids that I coach they've actually made their own little crews mm-hmm. I'll go to skate parks now and I'll see them rant, like I'll go do a lesson with somebody uh-huh. and I'll see four of my kids on the other side of the skate park all riding together like they've made friendships that they would have never had had they not done coaching with me that's awesome it's it's the most surreal feeling but it's very humbling uh-huh. like when we were talking before of like I want to see like I want to have a direct impact on the people I work with whether it's in right. the finance world or in the coaching stuff. Right. That's a tangible result that I can see. Wow. Three of my kids one lives in Bergen County one lives in Tom's River and one lives in Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. All showing up at the same skate park on the same day to ride together. Uh-huh. They would have never known each other had they not done a class with me. And I'm big on when I have when I have a new kid that I work with mm-hmm. I want to make them part of the group from day one mm-hmm. so they get introduced to everybody they get any of my friends that are there so like when incline was open one of my kids he was a little, he was a little shy he's, yeah. now it's it's so funny he's like the total opposite yeah but he watched the channel that's how he got into BMX and I was like have you ever I, I asked the kid I was like have you ever met because there was other guys uh, Brooklyn was there Ricky mm-hmm. was there right. I was like you ever meet Ricky he's like No, 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 I I can't. And I was like, come with me. And like, Mm -hmm. I made sure, like, every day, like, I made sure he made a new friend every day. Because if if I wasn't there to do it for him or help him along with this, who knows what his his experience would have looked like. And if he would have still been in, like, Mm -hmm. would he have still found that, I'll call it a home. Mm -hmm. It was a home away from home for him. And what's cool is I I get to, I also want to make sure that the kids I work with, are also good people off the bike. Mm-hmm. I wanna make sure they're respectful. I wanna make sure they're they're courteous. They're saying please and thank you. I'm not doing it in a way that I'm like a parent, but I wanna make sure that my kids are, because they're a direct reflection of me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the biggest things that I, I work on them with is before they wanna learn any trick or learn how to drop in on anything, the first thing I teach kids is the etiquette of how a skate park or a, a spot works. Oh, right. Because there's so many people that don't understand it. Yeah,
0: Ask for me, people at the Vansco. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's it's not just about teaching kids the most progressive tricks and, and getting them to be the best contest rider.
2: Uh-huh.
1: It's teaching these kids how to have fun in a way that they can make friends, they can be good people, but also be good at what they do. Right. And I think that's that's just a reflection of the channel itself. I think the channel... Yeah. is a great representation of teaching kids that you can be very talented at something. Yeah, but you don't need to be mean. You don't need to be spiteful. Right. You could be a good person. Right. And be good at what you do and have a lot of fun doing it. Uh huh.
0: So. So how how can can it's we're right on the verge sure. of being able to access yes. this by internet or yep. by website? I'm so sorry. I
1: have. I have social media platforms built already, so obviously there's Instagram and Facebook. So far, uh-huh. they still need a lot of work, so don't don't kill me yet.
0: But they can contact sure. you. Sure.
1: Yep. It's at Strive Action Sports, all one word. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the process of getting my website built, which is going to have um, info all about about the company, how you can access contact to me, how my coaching programs work. Um, And what I thought would be really cool to do is do like rider spotlights. Because I remember, if you remember BMX Today, right? The magazine? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: In the magazine, I remember they always used to have rider spotlights every issue. Mm -hmm. That I know how hard it is to find the little loopholes to get yourself noticed in the BMX world. Mm -hmm. That for some of my kids that will never leave New Jersey and will never leave their town of the skateboard that they ride... It's a way to get them noticed to more of the mass population, whether they want to take it and run with it or not. Right. But I think it's just cool to give those kids a spotlight that they normally wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So my, if you look at the tagline on the Instagram page, it's a place dedicated to show up and coming New Jersey talent. Oh, okay. And Because I want to show these kids, if, if they see that it's my brand, maybe they'll be inclined to, to follow that as well. Mm-hmm. But I can also introduce them to new kids that they may have never heard of before. But it's pretty cool. So my website should be up within the next week or two. It's going to be striveactionsports.com. Um, but I'll, I'll keep everybody posted through social media, through my personal accounts and how to access and, sure. and kind of go through that. But I'm, I'm super excited about that. But it's been a project in, in the works for a very, very long time. And now with the skate park being gone, I just wanted to make sure it was done correctly and mm-hmm. done in the most legal way.
0: Right, right. So, you gotcha. Well, when I post this, uh, this interview, sure. By the time people hear this, it'll be. It'll be uh, geez, what's what's today? It'll be the 19th. Okay. And uh, yeah, we should. I, I we may add, have. I can add all those links. Yeah, absolutely. Well, whether whether they're finished or inactive yet, yeah, yeah. they still will have them. So when right. they're active, it'll be there. Right, right, right. But I'll put those tags on there. Yeah,
1: no, I, it's it's and that's just it's just like every other aspect of BMX. It's just a fun little project for me. I'm not trying to turn it into. It. Like I said, sure. I want to have a little online store to kind of help offset some of the. Yeah. Just kind of the startup costs. Yeah. I'm not making a clothing brand, but you know what? If I can get kids, if I show up to a skate park and they have a Strive sticker on their helmet, I'm right. gonna be hyped. Right. Like that's gonna. Well, be that cool. is awesome. That's gonna be sweet.
0: All right. You want to hit some questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I, actually, speaking of clothing. Okay. There's someone that's uh, that's confused. <laughs> okay. With you. Sure. All right. This guy, Davey Wall, says box clothes and Fly gloves. Do you have a clothing sponsor? Uh, well do you have a clothing sponsor was my question because you wanted to know Fox Clothes and Fly Gloves at at one point people people are amazing because people when they look at pictures Mm -hmm. whether whether it be on Instagram or or Facebook or whatever it's amazing what they zone in on I mean some people zone in on things that are in the background yeah oh yeah so anyway um, do you have a clothing sponsor through, through Fox
1: or is it kind of a Wear what you want to right now. No, I, I do not have a, a clothing deal with Fox. I never have. Or um, or, uh, so in racing, I had a co-sponsorship from the teams I rode refer- sure. for. Fly was our gear sponsor. I got gotcha. So I like I like Fly's products. I, I believe in them. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to the sponsor thing mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, um, where kids will say like Hey, like I'll ride for you. Just give me whatever, and I'll rep. I right. am right. 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 a firm believer. Obviously, the companies that support you support the stuff that they have and they offer. Mm-hmm. But for the things that you do not have a, an endorsement deal for, a sponsorship agreement with, uh-huh. I truly believe in supporting the companies that give back to the companies that support companies. Right. So, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I've never ridden for Fox. I probably never will in my life. But it's a dream sponsor, fund Because I love th- I love their stuff. Sure. But when I look when I look at it. I look at the impact they've made on a lot of my friends' lives. The opportunities that a lot of my friends have had for riding from Fox. Mm -hmm. And the way they support my friends. So I see the way they give back to the, the action sports community, whether it's moto, BMX, skate, surf, whatever it may be. I see the money that I put out and give to them for the products that they sell. They're doing cool stuff with it.
0: They are.
1: Another perfect example, and actually... I've, I've been lucky enough to meet some of the guys at Fox and the girls at Fox. Um, actually, Anthony Napolitan's wife, Right, Joy, Joy yeah. um, I've met, I've, I've been lucky to meet her a couple times and she came out here and do some stuff with Scotty a couple years back. And she thanked me for wearing Fox clothes. I'm like, you know what, Like, I see this stuff, and it was just a very casual conversation. I'm like, no, thank you for making something that feels good, looks right. cool, right, and you support my friends. Right. So to me, I want to be able to watch my friends strive and, and thrive. From things that don't directly support me. Mm-hmm. Another perfect example of this is Vans. Yeah. I've
0: yeah, never,
1: yeah. I've never ridden for Vans. Actually, mm-hmm. I, they were a co-sponsor when I raced, but I never right, right. got a pair of shoes because I didn't. I don't think I fit into Vans at the time. Right. And too narrow. No, they were my fo- my foot was too small. I was a kid. Oh. Yeah, they they co-sponsored one of the teams when I was a little kid, and I don't okay. even think like kids' shoes were like popular. Oh, okay. And. I've been lucky enough to know Jerry Batters for a long time mm-hmm. and he's as wild as he comes across <laughs> but Jerry does a lot for the BMX community he and does. the action sports community as a whole. Yeah. And I always say like if I was going to support a brand and pay f- full price for products, those would be the companies I would support. Right. So I have no clothing sponsor, I have no shoe endorsement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only sponsor I currently have is is DK for my bike. Right. Everything right. else, if you look at the parts on my bike, the stuff that I don't get from DK right. are all parts that support my friends. Sure. So you'll see a lot of shadow stuff on my bike because mm-hmm. they support Trey, they support Maddie, they support Big Boy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll see um, like clothing stuff, Fox and Vans. Like you'll probably see most of our friends wearing that type of stuff. Right. I don't know, it's just, I, I mean, I love wearing DK shirts and stuff like that, but I also like to see the people that do cool stuff for our sport. Mm-hmm. I want to represent them, even though they don't directly represent me. Yeah, they represent our sport as a whole.
0: I got it. I feel the same way about Fox. I mean, yeah, uh, Joyce set set up a set up. She's up great. So well with the the jam for uh, for K, K Rob Jam. Yeah. Yeah, a couple awesome. weeks ago. She sent me a ton of stuff. Backpacks filled with all these different, just yeah. a slew of great great stuff. And uh, and then she gave me a ton of stuff to give away at the at the door, so everyone got something. But, uh,
1: yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean,
0: and for that reason, uh, I would support Fox. And VNS did the year before as yep. well. Yeah, uh, it, So it's. It
1: goes back to, know. like, we were talking about before, like, your representation of the companies that you want to support. Sure. If you're a kid that's stoked on a brand, and this mm-hmm. is kind of like when kids ask how to get sponsored, but, like, if you're stoked on a company and you're stoked on a brand, right, why not show yourself using their products in a positive way? Document, hey, I'm wearing a Fox shirt today, or I'm riding a DK bicycle. Right. Like, because you never know who's watching, Yeah. and all it takes is for somebody at that company to be like, you know what, this kid really reps us. Maybe we should hit him up with a care package. I've seen that so many times. Not me personally, but like kids throughout the years. Never forget, there was a kid that used to work, that used to hang out with Maddie at the skate park. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: Had an obsession with Colt when Colt came out. Yeah. And was not, not a standout bike rider by any means. Yeah, yeah. But this is when Twitter was super popular. Yeah. He made, like, a video, and it was, like, a, a cult bike check, and he had every cult product. Oh, my that God. That Robbie saw it, and Robbie started sending him out shirts. I think he would really? do, like, hookups on bikes. Like, it was, it was cool because That's awesome. this kid is just doing it for the right reasons. He's having fun doing what he's doing, but right. he's stoked on these brands. Yeah. And things are happening just because he's doing it organically. Right, right. So it's pretty cool. But, like, kids, like... Out there, if if you're hyped on a brand and and look, even if you ride for them or not, if you support what they do for their riders and support what they do as a company,
2: uh huh,
1: just be hyped and just do things to help them grow. Because if you're stoked on them now, imagine how much cooler they can be when they're bigger. Oh, definitely. So that's kind of when I look at endorsements. Like I'm okay just having a bike sponsor and, right. and just supporting them. I want to support everybody else that's doing cool stuff. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm going to shout out a couple names okay. here because you answered the questions earlier. A lot of it was um, from these people. Nathan Pitts.
1: Yep. Nathan's he, actually one of the kids I coach.
0: I th- had a feeling. Yep. Um, Keegan Miller.
1: He was actually at the, uh, Nathan was at the K-Rob gym. Oh, awesome.
0: Yeah. Keegan Miller, uh, Carlos Anella. Okay. They all have questions relating to... Uh, transition from racing to freestyle, which you answered. I think we covered really... a good portion oh, of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all
1: the weird things that go on with so transitioning.
0: Yeah, and it's so nice that they threw the questions out yeah. there, so I always like to mention them.
1: Yeah, no, I'm stoked. Uh, Thank you guys for all all the questions, or yeah. asked.
0: Yeah, they were they were into it, for sure. Uh, and appreciate you, for sure. So, let's see. I'm going to go to... Uh this this guy's pretty cool. He always throws in questions. He's from Australia, Brody Butterfield. Okay. I don't know if you remember meeting him but he said I think he, I
1: met him at Five Dock.
0: Exactly. I he did said, Yeah It was rad meeting you in Sydney. Super stoked to see you stick your second five dock run after the three oh, after the three was, wave crash. That was
1: a disaster. Now, well, I, was,
0: I think you had told me before you went that, that Five Dock was, and Chris Doyle had said the same uh, thing when I interviewed him, that Five Dock is just one of those real tough places. It's
1: too. gnarly. So you know what's crazy? And actually, I I, I heard Jason Watts say this mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Um, the way skate parks are built in America are way different than skate parks are built in Australia. Yeah. So your first impression of Five Dock or any any of the skate parks I saw when we were over there, so Bondi...
2: Uh-huh. Um,
1: but five dock in, in general, it was built so gnarly, like every like twelve foot walls. It's big. Yeah. But the transitions are built so differently.
2: Yeah.
1: So something that you can look at and you're like, oh, like if this was a, a, a skate park at home, like in America, uh-huh. it was, it would be, the gnarliest thing you would ever ride. Really. But. What I yeah. found was, they make things mellower but they build them that much bigger, so it kind of offsets the transitions and the vert oh, and, and okay. stuff. So when I got there, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be bad.
0: Somewhat but, visual then. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. a total head game on the yeah, visual side. Yeah. But what
1: was crazy, and Brody just just hit on it about the 3 whip. There was a six-foot, maybe a six-and-a-half-foot coping-to-coping spine in, in the bowl. So it had a like a 10-foot wall, Yeah. six-foot coping-to-coping spine that was uh-huh. super steep. Right. And then like a six foot hip right after it, so I'm like, "Wow!" You're coming off, and you had to use the ten foot as a setup.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm coming at it, and I didn't. I did it a couple days before in practice, and I did. I tried to do one every day just to make sure it was good. Yeah, yeah. And my first run, I felt pretty good. Like I, I don't know, normal contest for me. I don't do great. I, mm-hmm. I land a little low, uh-huh. but I felt really good on my first run in qualifying. Yeah. yeah. I land flat on the ten foot going up to and this this is my last hit of the run like this was going to be my last banger right. I hit the three whip I kick it and I kick too soon and my back wheel caught the coping. Oh. so the bike actually bounced back like I was going to do a three down whip instead of a three whip so I'm kind of flying and I'm like oh yeah this is not going to end well right. and I smacked my head it's it's it sucked. But thankfully I was able to to get back up for my next run and, and get back out there.
0: Oh my god.
1: And I had awesome dudes like Daryl Noll and Steve Crandall. And now it's gonna get me hyped up, so um, yeah, that is awesome. So my second run I was able to put a full run together. Not enough to get myself out because it was a total point right to score, right, right. but you know what? That was a trip of a lifetime. I had so much fun out there. Oh, you... But Brody, thank you so much and it was an awesome meeting you dude.
0: Yeah. Um Wild Bill. My man You know him Oh huh? yeah Oh yeah Wild well, Bill is awesome mate. He's great he, he wants to know Of course This is so funny The way he words it is When are you coming to Long Island And riding trails <laughs> I And in parentheses I put This is my my translation In New York They ask If Not just Or, or they don't ask if Just when, just when. So <laughs> I've known It's assumed That you're coming down It's a question
1: Well here. He assumed right It's just a matter <laughs> of Scheduling time to get there Right. with Bill I've actually known who Bill is for a long time Bill
0: this is Bill Kisai,
1: Yep. No, this is Bill from Long Island I don't know what Bill's last name is because in New Jersey we also have another wild and well, I just that know the dude, last name
0: isn't Hecox yeah no, no
1: our wild Bill is crazy yeah he's out of his mind yeah like he's he's probably around the same age but he, he may be he may be in his 50s now. yeah totally different person yeah but I had met Bill, um, during like the staff BMX days. Staff was a bike shop that used to be in the skate park, um, years ago. And he was, Bill was super tight with the guy, Bob, that owned it. Oh, and some okay. of the older guys like Brad Gethard, John Jennings, um, like some of those guys. You can throw an answer in the middle of this, uh, Cody Christopher, wants to you know your favorite rider on staff, you can throw that in there. So if I had to pick a favorite staff rider, I never rode for staff, but I would always hang out in there just because they were at the skate park. Uh-huh. Um. But those dudes were always awesome to me. Yeah. Um, If I had to pick a favorite staff rider, Mm -hmm. so staff had a stacked team, stacked. Um, I would have to say Brad Gethard. Brad Gethard was... And he's a Jersey guy. He was part of... uh, Brad Brad rode for staff. He was at the Kevin Robinson gym. He was the dude I was following through the dirt line. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, so Brad Brad was kind of like my dad on the road. Like when I started doing shows, Brad was like kind yeah. of like the team manager, kind of making sure we weren't doing anything stupid. And, like, I think but Garrett Burns yep. mentioned Yeah, he's, him a, he's a friend of Garrett's. Quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. Brad is. And they did the skate park quite a bit together. Yep. The one in. Uh, I want Tom to Server? Tom Server, yep. yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So Brad, Brad was my childhood hero um, as far as riders go. Uh-huh. Brad. Brad was a remember when we were talking about having the older dude that we can go to as like kind of the yeah. mentor? Brad was kind of that person for me. Oh okay. Brad was a super competitive he was a competitive pro. He would ride roots jam, do tour, triple crowns, all mm-hmm. those contests. But behind the scenes he was the nicest dude in the world. Yeah. But he shredded. So like it was funny. When we were coming back from the, the Kevin the Robinson Jam,
2: uh huh.
1: We're sitting in the car, Maddie's sleeping in the back, Corey's sleeping in the back. And Scotty and I are, are in the front. Mm-hmm. And Scotty, we kind of all looked up to Brad. Like, Brad was that older generation that we were like, that's the dude we want to be like. Because he was a small guy, but he ripped. And Scotty said it because Brad told us that the Kevin Robinson jam was the second time he had rode that year. Like, this year, he only touched his bike twice. The other time was in January at the wheel mill. He hasn't touched his bike in between. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Brad it was funny we're driving back and Scotty goes I was so stoked watching Brad ride yeah and I, I told Brad